Run your next PB at the Gold Coast Marathon in 2023. Fast, flat and scenic. There is an event distance for everyone, from the full marathon to the kids 2 and 4 kilometre junior dash. Enter now at goldcoastmarathon.com.au. Welcome to episode 291 of the Inside Running Podcast. I'm really looking forward to recording this week's show, as not only do we have our normal segments, but we also have a guest host who is making their Inside Running debut. But before that, welcome to the man who cracked the top 50 with a 49th place finish at last weekend's AV Cross Country Race in Bendigo, Julian Spence. How are you, Moose? Thanks, mate. That sounded very scripted. It was scripted. Yeah, I can tell. I like, um, to, be, I like to be planned. And and you know what? You're actually lucky to be on this week because Bree is a better athlete than you based on the results on the weekend. She finished 41st. Well, we'll get into the women's field later. But, yeah, no, last year I was 100, 101st, I think. So to come 49th or 48th, was it? Whatever. 49th, that's a pretty, yeah. That's a pretty big uh, improvement. I'm on the right tra- trajectory. Yeah, that is actually a pretty good improvement. What? So you're coming off your, what, like what? We, what did you have wrong? Oh, uh, knee issues. Yeah, that's so right. So I come off like that, and then I was only running a little bit, and I think at that point that was my longest run for a while. But I remember it was a really hard course, and it still is a really hard course. I remember thinking last year, even though I said I would tempo it, I couldn't go much faster, mm. and and this year pretty similar, except. I didn't pretend to say that I tempoed it. I, I was going flat out, but very difficult. I've got some crazy doms today that you only get from really steep and uneven terrain, like cow paddock type shit where your ankles are just um, getting flipped every single time you hit the ground. It just, the old the old man in me, like the joints didn't like it. I've got really stiff ankles and, yeah, it's just not used to it. Uh, yeah. Pretty beat up. I don't know about you, Moose, but I'm pretty excited about tonight because most of our guest hosts that we have on, we sort of know their backstory. Um, yeah, we've interviewed them before, but tonight um, I've met him a couple of times, um, raced against him, but I don't know a lot about his running journey. So um, it's probably one of the things that we've tried to do over the last five years of this podcast is um, raise the profile of athletes within the running community and and telling the stories of the runners out there. So hopefully we can do that tonight. Have, have you had much to do with our guest? No, I haven't, but I've been a fan of his work and we've kept an eye on him in results. He always seems to come out with some pretty good runs. Um, I also heard a good story about him on a run one day, which made me like him even more. Yeah, we definitely... 
I love his name. Yeah, we've definitely mentioned him a lot in the podcast. So let's uh, introduce him. So he's a sub 14 minute 5K runner, 217 marathoner. He won last year's Sydney 10 and finished second this year. And two days ago, won the Noosa Half Marathon. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Kieran Perkins. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, definitely looking forward to tonight. And um, yeah, it's been great listening to you guys over the last few years. And um, yeah, excited to get a chance to come on finally. Yeah, we, we appreciate you giving up some time. And um, yeah, like I know a little bit about you in terms of what you, your job is, which is um, yeah quite unique, especially trying to combine that with the running. Um, and obviously your name, like I've told Moose to hold fire on all the swimming gags because I'm sure you've heard them all before. Um, and just, I guess, for, for reference for our international uh, listeners, so Kieran Perkins is a famous swimmer here. He won the Olympic gold medal in the 1500 metres in 92 um, and the 96 Olympics. So I'm sure you cop a fair bit of that. Yeah, I've had it uh, my whole life, so I'm more than used to it. Um, I've got to thank my parents for naming me after, you know, one of the greatest swimmers in history that I can never live up to. So no matter how good my sporting achievements are, I'll uh, never seem to crack his uh, achievements. So what, do, so what do most people call you? Like, do they call you Perko, Kieran, KP, Superfish? Milkman, Milky. <laughs> Um, yeah, the milkman uh, hasn't really kicked off too much uh, in Brisbane, but um, yeah, usually Perco um, at work or KP. So yeah, yeah. Cool. So Croaks, Kieran, Croaks doesn't get milkman. Don't know what, it, what he can't understand it. He's never um, he's never twigged. Can you just explain what it means? He's not KP. impressed. He's not impressed. <laughs> Give him something, mate. <laughs> he doesn't understand it either. Like Kieran, Kieran was the Kieran Perkins was the guy off the the milk ads. You know he had that full campaign where he was selling the um, what was it uh the the yellow one. Uh, Farmer's Best or something. No, I don't... no, no, it was like Rev or something like that. He was famous for his milk ads. He was anyway. God, pure light Pure light. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me put. Let me send something into the group. You guys. It's obviously not a great. It's not a great gag from you, oh, Moose. Mate, I'm just working with some pretty low QI. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's move on. Like, so the first part of this will pretty much be an interview to find out a bit more about you. And I reckon we just start with your PBs. Now, I've got your World Athletics profile in front of me, um, and it looks like you. Well, from the World Athletics profile, you've done these really results from. 2019 um doesn't have a 1500 meter pb do you have a 1500 meter time uh no so yeah i didn't really uh do much 1500 meters so i've uh, definitely um been 30 years old now i'm probably a bit too old for that event um but yeah no pb for 1500 yeah um and i think uh yeah it says here uh 8:13. so i think that could have been my fastest time uh for 3k as well so yeah it's not a you know a bad pb so i'm happy with that Yep, and then uh, 13.59 for 5K? Yeah, so that was probably one of my biggest achievements in running. Um, I really focused on that for a a good six months. I remember in um, 2021, I kind of wanted to try and nail that PB, and I spent about six months kind of training um, with uh, Brisbane Athletic Squad in Brisbane with Jaden Russ. Uh, He really helped me uh, kind of uh, develop my track skills and, uh, yeah, kind of sharpen up to that 5k speed which I kind of really haven't had in the past so it definitely was a, a bit of a learning experience getting onto the track and um, getting smoked by the 18 year olds in the squad but yeah. obviously got there in the end. 
And I love the progression of the 5K. 20, 2020, you ran 1430, 2021, 1415, and then 2022, 1359. So pretty much like 15 seconds every year off, which is, um yeah, perfect progression there. Uh, 10K PB, 29, was it 2932, um, 2020. So was that like a Queensland state champs? Yes, that was a Queensland state champs on the Goldie. Um, I think Ryan Gregson won that, uh, yeah, in a blistering last lap from memory. Um, but yeah, that was basically, I guess, a time trial race. We kind of just sat uh, in a big pack and uh, I think about 400 meters ago, Grego just uh, kicked us all. Uh, and yeah, I just basically got home and got into yeah twenty nine thirties. But I have uh, run uh, yeah low twenty nines in long session last year. Yeah. So what's your ten k road PB? Because I know you ran real fast at Sydney ten last year, which probably has like a slight asterisk against it. Um, <laughs> so what what did you run Sydney ten? It was was it twenty eight high? Uh, yeah, I think it was twenty eight fifty six. So um, I got twenty nine oh eight in long session last year. So that was my uh, yeah I guess official PB. Yeah, solid times here. And half marathon, it's got here 67.07, but you ran faster than that on the weekend. Yeah, no, I've got 64, I think it was 50 um, from Noosa last year. So that was my PB and I still haven't um, probably updated that one. So I wouldn't mind maybe in the next 12 months, yeah, feeding that one. Yeah. Croak, so I reckon, I reckon KP though, just before we get to the marathon, I reckon he's a bit of a racer. So yeah. just um, how many... What are some of your biggest wins over those distances? Yeah, probably um, in the track stuff, I definitely haven't won too much. I'm usually just the guy who's uh, holding on at the end of the pack and dragged along by the boys. Um, but, yeah, obviously Sydney 10 last year was um, a big win for me. It was probably the first time, you know, I've beat, like, a quality field. So I beat uh, Kieran Tall. Uh, he shares the same good name as me. And uh, I think third place... Uh, I can't remember who got third in that race, but yeah, there's definitely some big names. Always there. good runners yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the long session race last year, coming second last year to James Hansen, um, I basically had to outkick a number of uh, guys like uh, I think it was Riley Cox, uh, Adrian Potter, and yeah, I think there's a number of other fast guys in that race. So, you know, yep. it gave me a lot of confidence last year doing those uh, couple races and, you know, actually realizing I can, you know, stick with some of the top guys in the country. And then Amsterdam Marathon, 217.54, which um, for, well, a couple of questions on that. We, I'll, I'll talk more about your prep a little bit later when we sort of get into what sort of work you do. Um, but I think, uh, who was it? Chris Hamer, I think, ran quite well at Amsterdam and Millie Clark, probably the only two Aussies that I know that have sort of done it recently and run well. Like, what were your thoughts on the on the course itself? Yeah, um it was actually a really good course. I know it's a bit underrated. Um, it's not one of your traditional overseas marathons that people go do, but I guess for me, yeah, I was deployed um, last year with the army. So I kind of didn't really have the option of doing like, um, you know, a number of those big uh, races, especially when it comes to, you know, entering. So I think I only entered about 10 weeks ago. So I decided just to do Amsterdam because I basically just Googled what's a fast marathon around that time and Amsterdam seemed to come up. So yeah, it was a really good course. Um, you know, perfect conditions as, uh, you know, flat. I think it was about 15 degrees um, and, yeah, overcast. So it was one of those, you know, European races where it starts at 9am in the morning and it's, you know, not not too hot. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There's some elite females, um, like uh, Olympians who were there, and I basically just jumped on uh, the girls' pack and tried to hang on for dear life. Do you remember who was in that women's pack? I remember it was, was it um, one of the Debarbers? 
Yeah, I believe it was the barber. Um, yeah, she, yeah, basically had um, herself, and I think there was another Olympian. I can't remember her name, but yeah, they had, a, I think, three African male paces uh, there. So, yeah, it was awesome just to be able to, like, you know, sit behind those girls and try and stay out of, out of their way, especially going into uh, drink stations over there. As, um, you know, I think there was about 30 people in the lead pack up until halfway. So uh, it was a bit of a cluster sometimes going to get water bottles and stuff. So I was just trying to, you know, stay out of everyone's way. It's a bit yeah. of a strange course, isn't it, mate? Like you go along the canal, I think it is, and you're running on a footpath for a while. Um, pretty narrow, especially for a group that big. How do you find that? Yeah, no, it definitely was. It was actually a bit windy as well along that um, that footpath going out along the canal. Um, so I guess the only benefit was that you kind of just try and find – I was at the back of the pack, really, so I was just trying to sit behind people and uh, not get uh, that wind kind of – there was a strong wind gust coming through um just for that part so i was yeah trying to stay out of uh i guess the wind and just get towed along to be honest but yeah it's a really nice scenery over there uh, i'd recommend it if anyone has the uh opportunity to go over and you know do an overseas marathon i'd definitely uh, put it on your list it's a uh, pretty scenic course and you know it's good for a party after i hear <laughs> oh you had as i aren't you had ayana so um so she yes yeah, so she was the one that broke the world record in the 10k at the um 2016 olympics remember that moose yeah, she's, yeah she, she's a star. Just went from yeah. the gun. Um, well, given you've just mentioned that you, yeah, you're in the army and you're deployed for, um, you know, in the lead up to the Amsterdam marathon, do you want to just talk us through? So, what's your role within the defence force, and talk us through how you train for this Amsterdam marathon because it's um yeah quite unique. Yeah, so um I've been in the army now for twelve years, and um yeah I work, uh, my job's like working in logistics, so. Yeah, I, you know, basically looking after a lot of the equipment um, and parts that the army uses, you know, if you need to, on deployments, you know, order stuff uh, from back uh, from Australia, you know, we uh, help do that and, uh, you know, potentially send it on to other spots around the, you know, the world that need it. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, it does, you know, make training hard sometimes because uh, you just never, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, one minute you're, you know, you think you've got your year sorted and you've got it planned out and next minute, like last year, I got um, the opportunity to get deployed overseas. And, yeah, I, I took it because, yeah, obviously it's a big part of, um, you know, my identity as the Army. So I chose that over, I guess, staying here and doing the rest of the running, running calendar year. And where were you based during that period? Yes, I was um, based uh, in Dubai for six months. So it was my, um, yeah, second deployment, um, I guess, in the last four years. So it's the second time I've been to the Middle East. I was in Iraq in 2019, just before COVID, and then, yeah, this time I spent my uh, last was it, six or seven months in Dubai. So it definitely made training, um, you know, different. And uh, I'm sure Moose knows from doing his uh, marathon in Doha. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the heat over there is uh, on another level. So Australia is, it's constantly, you know, high 40s most days in summer. And, uh, and even in the morning at 5 a.m., it's, you know, still mid 30s. So training over there was, yeah, quite hot and uh yeah, I think it definitely tests your body and your mind over there. Um, you know, it's quite easy to, you know, call it too hard and, you know, mm. give up. But I really thought if I can persevere through this, it'll, you know, it'll help me uh, going into this year and next year. So you on a you on a base over there? Yeah. And, like, yeah. So, and so how did, how did you do all your training? Like how, how big's the loop of the base for you to do like a two and a half hour long run? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I can't say too much about like the location <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just um, 
a base over there that um yeah the Australians uh, have worked out of for a number of years and yeah I think a loop of the base um uh, could be uh, it might be 20 kilometers but to be honest um I didn't really do um the loop just because it was like probably too far to go without drinking water a lot of time when you're you know running 35 degrees I'd usually try and uh stay near um like just our normal um like running road just so I could have uh you know drink some water because especially during summer you know I was taking um two bowls of water out with me on my runs and going through them pretty quick so yeah um it was pretty flat as well like uh Dubai so I'm not sure if anyone's been there but there's no hills or whatever so I definitely um you know I'm not a massive hill fan myself um if you look at my Strava I do bugger or elevation but it was uh yeah it was just pancake flat and definitely towards the end of my seven months it was the body was quite beat up from just yeah no elevation not you know changing the load on the body mm-hmm. all concrete as well yeah full concrete on yeah on like a road so yeah it definitely there's yeah no grass tracks over there it's um just desert and sand so yeah it's not the best uh range just a lot of concrete anyone um stupid enough to train with you no i couldn't find any volunteers to train with me unfortunately so yeah it was quite um quite quite boring at times um yeah, in 2019, when I um, was in Iraq, at least I had um, a few friends. I had a bit of a run group over there, some uh, mostly guys from other countries that I was lucky enough to train with. So this time was a bit, uh, you know, more, I guess I'd say boring. I just had to do it on my own. But, you know, mm-hmm. like anything here, kind of enjoy that first hour of the morning to yourself. And, you know, you can go out there and figure out what you're going to do for the day. And, um, yeah, it gives you some time to, I guess, have a think. So what were you, oh, sorry, you gave me. Yeah, were you nine to five during that period? Like, or was it um, a bit random when you were working? Yeah, deployments are always um, a bit random to me. Honestly, you always are, you know, kind of on call, I guess, uh, 24-7. So there was no, um, I guess, days are always, you know, different. But, um, yeah, usually be about 7.30 till, you know, 5.30 most days. Um, but, yeah, obviously some days were longer. Some days, you know, might be shorter. So, yeah. Back home in Australia, we usually just work from seven till like four, so it's not too bad. Um, and back home, we get to do you know PT every day as well, so that's one of the benefits with uh, I guess the defence forces. We get you know paid to keep fit and uh, train every day, so I'm lucky enough that with my work, they've uh, you know given me the freedom to do running as my I guess PT every morning. Otherwise, I'd be uh, back on base doing you know uh, sessions with I guess uh, the guys I work with every day. Yeah, so is there an unofficial or even an official serving member marathon record? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, we do have an uh, ADF Runners Association. Um, so, yeah, we've got a number of uh, people who uh, definitely love running, enjoy running in the Defence Force. And a part of our fitness test is we have to do a 2.4K run. Uh, and I think for the males, it's uh, under 11.15. So, yeah, everyone kind of knows, um, you know, everyone, I guess, from that knows about running and uh, kind of my PB is 6.52, so, or 6.32, sorry. So I guess most of the guys um, on base think I'm a bit of a, I guess, freak because, yeah, I guess the average <laughs> time would be 9 or 10 minutes for a 2.4-kilometre yeah. run. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, Rowan Walker would be, he'd run, he'd run 2.18, I think. Uh, so you've beaten him. Is there anyone that you know of that's that's been serving, that's been elite before? Um, Cass, Cassie Fiend, I mean, on the female side, maybe? 
Yeah, probably Cassie Thien on the female side. On the male side, I'm not too sure. I don't think there is anyone else um, that's probably, I guess, that I'm aware of that's been in, um, I guess, yeah. in my times. Um, but, yeah, like there is, you know, a number of good runners, but I guess. So you're the I'm goat the then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't give myself that title. <laughs> Hey, um, Kieran, what were uh, what were your goals going into Amsterdam? And obviously, in those conditions, like you wouldn't have been able to do the long marathon sessions at goal marathon pace. So, were you just doing them to marathon effort, or how how did you work around that? Yeah, that was um probably one of the the hardest things that I kind of had to, I guess, uh, I guess learn um, was to not focus on the pace on my watch, which I guess as most elite runners um it's hard not to kind of like get too consumed with, or it's hard to, like, so it's quite easy to get, you know, consumed with the pace you're running at. Um, but I had to really focus on just trusting that the heat benefits were going to play, play dividends, you know, with my training. So it helped um, having uh, Raf, Raf Ball, my coach, he kind of uh, guided me through that process and uh, reassured me that, you know, it's not always about the pace you're running at, um, you know, just the, I guess go off feel and go off, I guess, heart rate more than uh, just seeing what the watch says because you can't run sub three minute Ks, you know. I wasn't doing um, my 1K efforts at sub three minute K pace because, you know, you just can't run that kind of times over there in, uh, in the heat, especially in summer. So, yeah, it was something I had to deal with um, and kind of, you know, adjust um, with my training. Yeah, and a bit less mileage than you would have done at home if you were preparing for a marathon? Uh, yeah, so obviously with work, it does make it hard. I wasn't... Um, like, you know, able to probably do the mileage I'd like to do back home. Uh, and especially with recovery as well. Like, you couldn't uh, – there's no, like, you know, ice baths or saunas on base to kind of get uh, your recovery in. So even, uh, you know, getting massages and stuff like that, yeah, it was very hard to get. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to really just, um, you know, back it off a bit. But then also, um, you know, I did do some treadmill sessions as well, which kind of helped, um, you know, get some elevation and uh, kind of do, a, like, some speed work in the, I guess – cooler temperatures of our, a gym yeah any more questions moose on the marathon stuff um how long has raf coached you yeah, yeah so um i met raf um for the first time when i was in wa so i was posted to perth for three years from 2015 to 2018 and um i actually was a bit of a hobby job back then i'd only run maybe once or twice a week um so I decided to go to join this run squad and train up for a half marathon. I think it was in 2017, I ran uh, one nineteen, and yeah, I was coached by Raf, so he probably didn't uh, take too much notice of me back then because I was uh, no good. But yeah, I kind of first met him back then. and Obviously, um, he's a great running mind and he's, yeah, he's forgotten more than I know about running. Um, yeah, it's been great having his kind of knowledge for like the last nine months. He's been able to help me train for, um, I guess, Amsterdam and now with Gold Coast coming up. Mm. Well, maybe take us then, like, how you got into running. Because as I said at the the start of the show, like, your World Athletics profile only has results starting in, like, 2019. And at that point, you would have been, like, mid to late 20s. So not, you know, not super young. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about th- that start for you and what you were doing before you ran. Yeah, before I ran, I was probably um, more focused on, I guess, like, military kind of, I'd say, yeah, fitness. So I um I tried out for the special forces um with the SS twice and I uh, wasn't successful unfortunately with that. So I kind of um yeah picked myself up and said I want to focus on a sport that like you know uh, allows you to kind of um you know get the rewards for the effort you put in uh, with like you know special forces selection and the defence force or army. It's um you know 
it's based off what um, someone else kind of, uh, I guess, might think about yourself. So, um, yeah, I kind of just want to focus on a sport that, yeah, like running, I guess, where you can um, basically control your own destiny. And, yeah, that's kind of um, led me, like I was doing all that kind of uh, training up until my mid-20s. And then, yeah, I think I started about 26 getting into running. And, yeah, I've just slowly progressed, progressed from about a 35-minute runner down to, you know, breaking 30 a couple of years ago. Yeah, you um, I just like was thinking you're such an athlete. I mean, you got a pretty strong rig on you compared to most runners. That's probably because <laughs> of the army stuff, I'm guessing. Um, have you ever thought about like getting into the physical roles in the army, like the uh soldiering? And um, because we, we, we're obsessed with the SAS stuff, like watching TV. Has that ever oh, taken wow. your, your attention? Mate, you see the times he's see the times he's running. See how much has he improved. Why would he want to go and do that? He wants to run. He wants to break your PB. Mate, they're the, they're <laughs> superstars over there. That's that's all glory. Yeah, no, I, I did. Um, yeah, when I was young and um, you know, very ambitious, I kind of uh, yeah, I said I'd try out for the SS twice, and um, uh, you know, that kind of consumed all my training for the the first few years of my army career. So, yeah, I was very um, you know, driven with that, and you know, I got basically told in my second attempt I got to I was at day 17 on the SAS selection course four days before the finish and I, you know, I got removed so you either remove yourself or get removed and I got removed um so oh, I, I kind of uh, yeah I was just uh I thought you know I could either wait a couple of years and go back again and try for it again or you know take up a sport that kind of allows um you know allows me to get the results but um just in saying that if you do ever want um you know an SAS uh, person to come on my uh, good friend um, Ben Pronk is the uh, former client officer of the SAS he uh, is an avid listener of your show and uh, we speak quite regularly actually so he's actually uh, written a couple uh, a couple books and yeah has his is that Dan's brother well. Dan Dan's yeah brother. Dan, yeah Dan Pronk yeah so this yeah. Is ben, um, so he's equally successful and uh yeah I was actually messaging him today telling him I'm on the show so yeah I think you should definitely get him on oh that's yeah, funny he, he, he'll be a great interview I've listened to him before, actually, on a podcast. Um, yes, yes. He was on a uh, oh, they interview soldiers, and he was talking. Does he have a um, medical supplies company now? Uh, yeah, I don't know Dan. I know Ben, the brother. So Ben was the uh, the commanding officer. So basically, the head of uh, the SAS um, when I was there. So oh, yeah, yeah right. he's uh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Interesting. Him, him and Dan are both, you know. Great guys and yeah, but I haven't met Dan myself. I've just met Ben. Yeah, yeah. No, he talks about his brother a lot though. Um, yes, yeah. I thought I I thought I listened to one with Ben. I think I might have. Um, yeah, you probably have. Go. They do a lot of podcasts together. But uh, Ben's uh basically taking up running. Um, you know, he used to be a former runner, like I think back when he first joined uh, the defence force and uh, joined the SS. But he's taken it up um a couple of years ago. And now he's run a sub three marathon in Perth. Um, just I think recently and ran. Uh, I think it was 120 uh, or 119 actually on the weekend um, at the Sydney half uh, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, wow. Does, is he's not the one who failed you on the course, is he? Uh, I don't know. He uh, he's probably the guy who says yeah and at the end, but uh, I don't I don't know. It could have been. Um, so <laughs> I'll have to hit him up and ask him if he's on the show. Yeah. So you got to day 17. Like how many days? Like until it would have you would have been like through. Uh, oh. So I think it finishes on day 20 day 20 or 21 so yeah 
it's a pretty brutal course and you know it's total opposite to running you have to do um you know spend hours out practicing your land navigation and carrying packs that up to 50 kilos so i think that's probably why i've got a you know a decent bone structure on me now i haven't had too many uh bone injuries luckily um because i think all that running with weight kind of in the, the past you know has probably helped it now but that being said like i'd imagine that training like 17 days like they put you under a lot of mental stress as well as physical stress and do you think that that training has actually helped you in races from like a mental point of view yeah definitely 100 um with i guess running it's all about you know peak performance and um you know getting yourself to having the best conditions to run you know your fastest times whereas uh all that trains kind of for you know soldiering's about being in the worst conditions and trying to you know perform under mm. terrible conditions so they love to test you know your mental resilience you know when it's pouring rain or like you know when you haven't had much sleep um so yeah it's definitely kind of allowed me to i guess have an appreciation that running probably you know even though it can be hard at times it's not that hard you know because it's all going to end quite uh you know you go out for an hour run and it's over mm. very you know very easily whereas that kind of training uh you know the course goes on for 21 days and it's basically always you know 21 days of almost non-stop torture yeah nothing you do in running would be as hard as that yeah so do you, do you feel like maybe the, um, we'll call them, it's hard to call it failures, but like the non-passing of the course uh, a couple of times, do you feel like you almost have a point to prove now? Like it's sort of like a chip on your shoulder that you you want to achieve something, like physically that yeah, you, you, yeah, you haven't? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, being someone who's very competitive, um, you know, I guess I wasn't used to failing, um, you know, courses and failing stuff. Um, it's probably not how I was, I guess, brought up. So I guess, yeah, it's definitely taught me, you know, a lot of, uh, about resilience and, um, you know, I've listened to enough kind of podcasts since that you realize there's plenty of guys out there who fail at stuff in life, but, uh, it's kind of about how you pick yourself up and it, you know, just cause you fail something doesn't, uh, you know, have to define the rest of your life. You know, you can kind of kick mm -hmm. on and find something else that you're passionate about and, uh, give that a good crack. Yeah, well, look at Moose. Moose was in the Defence Force. He was in the Navy. I think oh. he lasted about six weeks. Please don't. Look where he is now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so picture. embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I can I'm picture Moose in the Navy. <laughs> yeah, I used to iron my shit so good. <laughs> uh, that was probably the hardest part for me um, is having to do all that kind of stuff, the ironing and the making the beds. That's probably... That's um, for me definitely something I struggled with when I first joined at 18. I was, yeah, I was kind of spoon fed uh, at home and, you know, having a, I was, you know, into my surf by seven growing up. So I was quite, uh, you know, into my training, trained twice a day. But the kind of the mental side of like, you know, ironing your cams, I had no idea how to do that kind of stuff or make a bed. You know, I used to just chuck the sheets over <laughs> making my bed. So that was probably the, the hardest part I found uh, adapting to the fence, not so much the physical, uh, the physical training. And what have been your different roles in defence? So, like you said, you're in, um, like, logistics now, but I'm, I'm guessing you've had a few different roles? No, no, I've done that job for 12 years. So, as I said, yeah, I, I did try out um, for Special Forces, but I've had the same job, um, basically, since I've joined. So, yeah, no, I haven't uh, <laughs> changed jobs. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have to go back to, you know, doing um, different training, and you kind of obviously don't want to lose, you know, your, your rank and all that stuff if you, you kind of work yourself up to a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say cushy job, but, you know, a bit of uh, having a bit of, you know, seniority about yourself. And then uh, if you change jobs, you kind of lose that and go back to, you know, square one. Yeah. So what do you reckon your best event is? 
Um, yeah, oh, I'm not too sure. Like, um, all my PBs, you know, fairly, I think, consistent. I um, I used to kind of just say, like, you know, depending on what PB I got was uh, kind of like my favourite events. But I think maybe I really enjoy a 10K. Um, that's probably one of my favourite events to do because it goes for, like, you know, a relatively short period. and um, But it also requires a bit of mind games about it. Let's not like the 5K where you kind of uh, just balls out and it's over in um, 15 minutes. The 10K, you know, you got to kind of play it smart and uh, have a bit of, I guess, tactics about it. Um, so I'd say play the 10k but I do want to kind of start transitioning into that marathon I guess in the future and try and lower the time down from 217 hopefully to maybe you know a bit lower in the future yeah 214 low I reckon (laughs) oh no I think I think I think Moose is a bit better than me so yeah Uh, yeah well I am at I am at the moment mate (laughs) so you've only done two you You've only done two marathons, haven't you? Like you debuted on the sunny coast in 2021 where you came third in 228.45. Like that would have been a, a pretty rough day for you, I'd imagine, based on like the times you were running over shorter distances. But what did you learn from that experience? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a wake-up call, I guess. Um, I kind of, you know, obviously you respect the marathon and you know what it takes, but um, I probably didn't, I guess, focus on my, I guess, long runs enough. Um, that's probably something I look back on, I think, you know, I knew I had to play speed, um, but I didn't probably have, I guess, uh, I didn't really have a, uh, any coaching, I guess, back then. It probably would have, um, you know, helped to have, uh, I guess, like a coach to kind of guide you through the process. Um, and, you know, all the gels and taking that on as well, nutrition, I didn't really have any idea about that. I thought, you know, if I just take a gel every 8Ks or whatever, um, I'll be fine. But, you know, I got it to about 30Ks and I couldn't take on any more nutrition because I just, you know, my body wouldn't let me. So I think all those kind of things, um, you just learn from, um, but yeah, I definitely, yeah, I probably knew what I was going to be in for. I come about 35 Ks, but I think, you know, once you actually happens to you and, uh, the legs fell off, uh, sorry, the wheels fell off about 35 Ks and I kind of just ended up jogging, I think about three forty fives for the last six K, um, home. But yeah, before, before that, you know, I was running, I think it was three, might've been early three twenties, um. It didn't feel overly that hard, you know, like I got to about 20Ks and I thought this is quite easy. And then, uh, yeah, it just sneaks up in you. And then next minute, you you know, the wheels fall off. Yeah. Hey, um, Kieran, you're running, um, I'm kind of interested in the Burt squad that you train with. And like, are you posted to Brisbane at the moment? Uh, is uh, that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm not in uh, Burt squad anymore, so. I've kind of, um, yeah, started doing my own training this year with uh, my friend, John Paulson. So he's um, one of the guys I train from Brisbane and another guy called uh, Tim Fisk, but he's out uh, injured at the moment. So I've kind of just been training with John at the moment. But yeah, I was with Burt's squad the last few years and um, yeah, they're a great squad and uh, definitely um, kind of helped, you know, shape me into the run I am today. Uh, they've got, you know, uh, a great guy, uh, Peter Bracken, who leads them. And um, But yeah, I've kind of just, done my own kind of training this year just with uh, a couple of uh i guess my mates who are quite similar speed to me yeah it's good there's a few groups forming now in brisbane sounds like the scene's getting stronger up there uh there's yeah no de- yeah. definitely um we had a guest to our long run one day young fella uh matthew hansen and oh hansen yep yeah he uh he was full of stories and um, he, he, he said you were pretty erratic with your training. So you would sort of just rock up 
and do whatever you sort of felt like that morning without any plan. Was that you for a while up there? Um, <laughs> oh, hands up. I think you stitched me up a bit there. Um, I mean, sometimes, yeah, that can be true. Um, I think, yeah, I think a few Brisbane runners actually a bit like that. We just uh, used to turn up on the day and um, kind of do our, like, you know, our own session. Um, when I used to train with Adam Fogg a couple of years ago, we kind of, uh, you know, plan it on the day or maybe plan it like the day before. So me and him kind of, um, we didn't really have, I guess, a coach back then. So I guess one of the luxuries of not having a coach, you just kind of uh, rock up and figure out what you're going to do on the day and how you're feeling. But um, it's worked out kind of well in the past, just being able to, you know, give yourself your own sessions. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you want to um, go a bit easier, you can. But um, yeah, no, I've had the good training partners like uh, Adam Fogg in the past and uh, another guy, Tim Fisk. Um, so they keep me honest, those young blokes. Yeah. And what's what's the Brisbane running scene like? Do do the various groups get together for like a Sunday run, or everyone sticks to the sticks to themselves? And like, where does everybody do their long runs up there? I've noticed at the moment you you sort of do some training on the Sunshine Coast, some in Brisbane. Is that because of work, or you just you know drive to um, different training locations? No, um, so my girlfriend and family are up in the sunny coast, so it's about an hour north of Brisbane. So I usually head up on the weekends and uh enjoy the uh, sunny coast so I grew up yeah in Calandra up here um, it's a beautiful spot I know Moose has been to Noosa a few times and uh, he loves it up there so <laughs> it's definitely a good part of the world uh, a bit warmer than uh yeah Anglesey that's for sure yeah funnily enough heading back this week actually oh, yeah? yeah you're going to be up there uh, Noosa yeah uh, I'm not I'm have to make the trip up there to, to see come up Moose. for a run <laughs> come up for a tempo <laughs> Yeah, I'll run, I'll it'll be you'll be tempoing. He'll be doing an easy run, moves. <laughs> yeah, so I'll rent a bike. <laughs> yeah, but the the running scene's good in Brisbane. Um, there's lots of uh kind of clubs clubs that have popped up in the last uh probably five years. Um, and yeah, like going out along the Brisbane River every uh, I do basically all my training along the Brisbane River. To be honest, um, I'm a bit lazy. I live uh near Southbank, so I kind of just hop out of bed and uh run along the river each day. So I get a lot of um get a lot of shit from the guys in my uh, kind of group that I run with about uh, doing less than um, less than elevation than everyone else in the squad. So yeah, it's probably uh, something that I need to improve on is getting the elevation up and not just, you know, run around the Brisbane river and, you know, uh, kind of just calling a hill going over the story bridge or um, that. Don't you get yeah. sick of all the concrete? Uh, I do. I do have a grass loop actually. Uh, you know, at the back of our base, there's this nice uh, grass loop that I run on probably about once or twice a week. Um, it's about a K, a K long. So I do a little bit of grass running, um, but, you know, I should probably do some more. Um, but, you know, my mate, um, John, who I run with, he, uh, he owns a coffee shop. So it, and it's probably got the best coffee in Brisbane, actually. Uh, Woolshed Coffee, if anyone wants to check it out when they're in Brisbane. Um, it's a great coffee there. So I kind of uh, get my arm twisted into running from there a lot. Yeah, I'm looking at your Strava. It's pretty boring stuff. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of out and back going on. Um, yeah. Especially when you go to the coast. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's along the ocean, Moose, so, um, you know, I don't mind a bit of out and back when it's looking at the beach. Bit of Blue yeah. Doctor. Yeah. It's not it's, the same. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely not the same still. Um, <laughs> I think it's a bit colder, colder now where Moose is. <laughs> Yeah, Brisbane seems like a funny place to run. Like everyone seems to run in the the one spot, based on Strava. Yeah, like that definitely. new farm, new farm is that like the the suburb? Yeah. So um, 
there's Newfound Park where I do um, probably all my sessions. So it's just a little concrete kind of a concrete loop that goes for about 890 metres. And I think everyone, um, you know, who someone kind of does their sessions each week around there. So, um, yeah, Bird Squad kind of uh, do their sessions around there. I've done my sessions around there for a number of years as well. So it's a good spot. Um, but, yeah, you're definitely right. There's You go out for a run and you're guaranteed to see someone you know in Brisbane along the river. Yeah. Um, Kieran, another reason we got you on, obviously we wanted to hear sort of your backstory, but also you are preparing for Gold Coast Marathon in like five weeks. Um, how's the prep going for that? And uh, what are your goals leading in? Yeah, so the prep's been um, pretty good. I can't, um, you know, obviously you have your hiccups, um, you know, with illness uh, and stuff like that, but I've had no injuries, um, which is great. So I've, um, yeah, been kind of... Uh, coached by Rask obviously as I said before and he's been uh, you know setting me out my training program um and I've yeah usually been averaging anywhere between you know 140 to uh, 160 kilometers a week for the last kind of uh, 10 to 12 weeks so yeah I'm feeling good um hopefully I can kind of update my PB from 217 maybe you know shave a few seconds or minutes off that um depending on how good the run is but I think um listen to your podcast I think it was last week when you were talking about a half marathon before the marathon I definitely felt um you know I didn't have that kind of same kind of speed as what I did in the past with the uh, half marathon so I'm taking it as a good indication that I didn't do a PB on the weekend um <laughs> into my marathon yeah don't worry about that <laughs> don't, don't worry at all like if you've been doing the right marathon work then you shouldn't run a good half that's my theory was that all out yeah. for you on the weekend though uh yeah so I basically um kind of a, a plan out to go out between I think it was a 306 to 310 and uh just do that 14 k's and then um depending on how you felt like after that he said you know you can come home a bit stronger so I f- followed the plan um so I didn't really yeah I didn't really go for full full tilt on the weekend I kind of um wanted to you know use as a bit of a session I kind of uh, got told I guess during the week there wasn't going to be I guess the uh super elite guys coming to it I think they're all heading down to long session in a few weeks so I kind of figured I could just use it as a good like you know training run for Goldie but um yeah there's a bloke that I ran with who was um actually with me for the first 10 kilometers and uh yeah ended up kind of pushed me uh more than what I probably expected in the race yeah who was um, that who comes second um check the agenda moves yeah Alex, Alex, Alex Harvey his name oh yeah Alex. yeah I didn't um, I didn't know who he was before the race um but yeah I kind of um was a bit surprised when he was you know hanging with me I could hear him breathing heavily about probably 8k's or so into it so I thought um I dropped a three minute k at about k10 just to kind of see if he'd uh fall off and luckily he kind of did so I kind of did that three minute k and kind of went back to the the plan of running you know 308s <laughs> after just shake him off yeah yeah, yeah. Um, any more quick questions any more questions Moose or should we um get into some training weeks we'll ask him questions through the, the show I reckon yeah all right. Um, who wants to go first? Do you want to do your week, Moose, and then we come back to Oh, I can. AP? I'll be quick. All right. I'll be quick. Pretty average week. So I was coming off like a bad back, uh, flared up, Gratian Road, worked a lot. We're still working on the Monday, dropped the van back into the store, had to take all our gear out of there. Uh, so I just stick into like 30-minute stuff. So I just ran 30 minutes Monday and then – 30 minutes Tuesday, on Wednesday, ran with Toby. He was his first run back, 35 minutes. Um, and 
went up to 45 the next day. Uh, ran with Toby and Ali on um, on Friday, and Toby brought his shit dog along. So that like <laughs> fucking hell, this brings a kelpie just like pulls on the leash the whole time, running around. I said, just let that thing off, get it out of here. So once it got off the leash, it was all right. But still, it's the kind of guy who like doesn't give his dog a command. He just fucking yells at it as loud as he can. <laughs> so real relaxing stuff on that run. <laughs> he had anxiety the whole run, hoping his dog wasn't going to run away. Um, the next day we went to Bendigo Cross Country. So I was here. I didn't know how this was going to go. I knew the course from last time. I knew that even if I took it pretty easy, it was going to be a hard run. You don't have cross country in Queensland, do you, Milky? Uh, no, we wouldn't know what cross country is out here. Um, no. no, I actually think there is actually a cross country race going on. I think Aiden Hobbs, um, one of our local Brisbane uh, runners here, he won a race in the weekend. But yeah, definitely not for me. Nah, nah. Uh, I haven't seen anything up that way anyway. I'll, like, uh, maybe some stuff from Aiden. They, but, do um, a, they do have a series up there, but it's not like it's not like AV. Well, to, to be honest, there's no there's no other state that has anything like AV winter season. Yeah, yeah. St Anne's is a winery um, out near Bendigo, so it's a fair trip. Bree and I we left at eight forty five, nine o'clock in the morning um, to get out there. Geelong took a bus out, so they picked us up on the way. We, Bree's parents are on the way, so we dropped Pierre off there, jump on the bus, had a good little bus trip. I was about ten minutes in, got bus sick, had to change Kieran out from the front to sit in the front seat. Uh, so that was embarrassing. Then got got there. Now there was a pretty big field. Let me just check the results. Like, let me see how many. There was three hundred and ninety-two people in the uh, men's race on the on the front line, and I reckon we were we're Div One, so we should be on the very front. But we're pretty realistic. None of none of us in the team knew we were going to be in the top 20, so we kind of just stood back, maybe third back from the line. Um, but <laughs> off the line, it was insane how quick people run. The first 200 metres, we went from probably like 40th position to 100th, like in 200 metres. It's like the old fucking NCAA footage you see of him just flogging himself to the first <laughs> corner. It, that happened here as well. It was, I'm like, I couldn't go any quicker than I'm going and I've been passed by 60 people. And <laughs> it, it's wild. It's it's like you have to see it to kind of understand it or to be in the middle of the pack. So I, we got turned around a corner at 200 metres and I looked up and there would have been, there was a, I saw, uh, who did I see in front up there? Um, I saw Lachlan Hurd leading the field uh, Brett Robbo was up there as well. So uh, who else did I see that day? Um, and and they were miles in front. And I'm like, I'm never going to be in a front pack of cross country ever again. Like I know, I know it now that there is just the speed required to get off the line as well as the overall fitness to keep up. But even just being there at the start, like it, it's just fast. Um, so that was uh, – I got myself – into a position that was comfortable for me. I knew I was going to have a crack, like I wasn't going to tempo this. I knew it was a real battle between the Geelong crew because we're all we're all semi-similar in terms of where we're at. 
so we actually had a different leader of the Geelong pack. Like every, everyone in the pack basically led the race, at, the Geelong race at some point. So it was pretty competitive. That was fun. Like when you're coming 50th, it's, yeah, you, you want to chase everyone down and get as many points for the team. But there was a race within a race within the Geelong crew, which made made it really fun. Uh, the, 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 I, I ran pretty even. It got hard about, I'm going to say, 5K. I went up a few hills and I got dropped by Steve Deneen, who was who I was running with. So we went up a hill and he, he took off. Uh, that, was, um, that was a sign for me that maybe I wasn't going to have the best finish to the race. But everyone else was going backwards as well. So, yeah, I was just – I was running with a bloke, Ryan Cramery, um, one of Brady's mates from Bendigo. He was for, he runs for Geelong now. He's just come a, come along in leaps and bounds. So it was cool to see someone like him be at a position in a, an AV field that he's never been in. That's one good thing about racing, even when you're not fit, is you get to see others racing. It's fun. Um, and, yeah, we just kind of worked our way to the finish, came 40th, 49th for me, 50th for him. And felt like a pretty good run. Like I was pretty happy with it, considering I was even uh, across the board. But I'm looking at the times from last year at the moment. I ran 27.13. 27.13 would have had me in 49th place last year. And this year, it has me in 49th place. Can you believe that? <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so... Uh, it is what it is. Oh, the one good thing, I got through unscathed. So I wore um, the Saucony Endorphin Pro, which was like the idea was that it was going to help my Achilles out because it's plated. It's got a bit more shoe, a little bit more um, support for my Achilles over a pretty steep course, which is like the opposite of what you want for a bad Achilles. And I got through the race and didn't feel my Achilles once. But having that shoe on with no real grip and being high stack off the ground on like cow paddocks, mm. that was terrible. My ankles rolled about 40 times. I was taking these big Bertha corners. Like <laughs> I'd go from one <laughs> side of the field to the other. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> turn around a corner. Uh, and then when I was going downhill, I was like just sliding all over the place. So it was it, – it, I, I didn't feel like um, – I would have come any further up with spikes, but perhaps would have been better. Geez, you got an elephant out the back, Perko. No, that's no, Russell. Not, that's not me. That's, that's not Russell me. popping oh. up the furball. <laughs> Russell, fuck, yeah. man. Settle down. Oh, it's getting old. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that was the race, and we, we I was cooked at the end. And next day, woke up, didn't quite have the, um, the doms yet, so I snuck in 90 minutes. Just on a, a long run, it rained the whole way. It was slippery. It was shit. And then by the time I finished, I could feel my quads, hammies, glutes, and everything except my Achilles. So <laughs> really good result for me. I'll take doms any day of the week over an over a bad tendon. Uh, and I'm sitting here now with pretty sore muscles. So it's it's a sign that I worked really hard, and the course was um, was extreme on the weekend. It almost sounded, though, with your Achilles moves, and we spoke about the other week, that because you'd had a bit of time off, it almost like your Achilles had sort of seized up, and then when you started running, it was niggly, but now that you're sort of running a bit more, it's yeah. sort of got better. 
Yeah, and I kept things real cruisy. Like I didn't go more than 45 minutes for about 10 days because I, I was just scared of it flaring up. You, you listen to Mottram's interview, bloke had, what, like two or three Achilles surgeries mm-hmm. over a two-, three-year period. Like I'm just so scared of that injury because I've seen so many careers ended by it that I just don't take any chances when Achilles comes along. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I think you're right. It was just getting back into running again. And now it should be all good. So big week coming up once you get over uh, Dom's? Uh, it won't be that big. Like <laughs> I'm not, I don't have tons of stuff planned. I've, I've, I'm still got, I'm still sore. Like I can't push things when I'm sore. I'm going to train with Ali Wednesday. We'll do a workout, uh, a fartlek. And then, um, yeah, on Saturday, go to Noosa. So hopefully I have a week of, of not working and then I can train pretty good up there. That's the plan anyway. What's your plan for Gold Coast? Are you going to run up there at all? Like I'm going to do the in- half. I'm going to do the half and I'm probably going to just – well, I'll run as fast as I can and if I can break 70 minutes, that would be great. Yeah, no, I think you'll do that. I'll probably end up running with the lead women at that pace Yeah. Um, because that will be around that. And, yeah, I mean, Ali's running. I said I'll try and beat her. So that'll be my goal. <laughs> Head to the Gold Coast for a fast, flat race this July. Whether you're looking for a personal best time or a winter break with the family, the Gold Coast Marathon on the 1st and 2nd July has it all. The weekend of events includes a distance for everyone, the Gold Coast Marathon, CPL Wheelchair Marathon, ASICS Half Marathon, Southern Cross University 10K, CPL Wheelchair 10K, Gold Coast Airport 5K, and the Health and Wellbeing Queensland 2 and 4 kilometre Junior Dash. It's fast, it's flat, and it's scenic. Enter now at goldcoastmarathon.com.au. Awesome. Um, all right, Perko, do you want to take us through your week, which would have, um, yeah, I guess race week for you? Yeah, race week. So I was actually um, a bit sick coming into race week. Um, I just had a mild flu, so it wasn't anything um, too bad, but it kind of... Um, I was meant to do a session Wednesday, actually. Uh, Raf had a big session there. He kind of, uh, took out for me, luckily. So, yeah, Monday morning, I just got out for eight kilometres at uh, 4.28, just along the river, just the out and back one. And, um, yeah, nothing special on my loops. They're usually pretty boring, but at least you're looking at the, the river. So it's somewhat, um, you know, makes it a bit easier. And then the afternoon was 7Ks at 4.30s as well. Uh, Tuesday, I did a small session, so I... Um, Met up with um, my training mate, John Paulson, and um, one of the girls who I run with as well, Murphy Rankin, who's a up-and-comer on the Brisbane running scene. We met up and we jogged down to New Farm Park and just did, um, well, I did eight by one minute on, one minute off. And I was still feeling um, a bit kind of under weather in this session. So I just decided, um, originally I planned to do, what was it, 250 for the ons and then I think 308s for the offs. But I ended up kind of just jogging the offs after about three sets in because I just realized that I wasn't going to have probably a good session. I didn't really want to push myself to, you know, too hard in the session. That probably, you know, didn't really mean much if I wasn't feeling, you know, my best. So I ended up just kind of, yeah, running about 3.30s for the, the floats in the air, about 2.50s for most of the ons. 3.08s so you were prescribed, mate. How specific? Yeah, yeah. Raf's pretty specific on his uh, training. So, <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good going if you can hit that exact pace. You're doing real well. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, um, I think me and John, um, my training partner, have a Newfound Park loop down pat. So yeah, 
it's a bit of a um there's a bit of a anyone who's done Newfound Park knows it's half of it's downhill and then the other half's kind of like has a probably a, one big steep uphill well it's not that steep to be honest but it's a, a bit steeper than what um I guess the rest of the track is um but yeah it's definitely um takes a, a bit again you see old Newfound Park it's yeah how far is the loop? Uh, 890 meters. So okay. I think it is. Yeah. Yep. So it's definitely um, it's one of the popular loops for um, yeah, my uh, group that train for and definitely the Burt Squad. Um, those guys, my old squad, love training around there. Is it dirt? No, it's uh concrete. So yeah, hard concrete. It's actually love, not love concrete up there, Moose. Love hey, concrete. Queensland isn't concrete. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> we don't have uh Oh, the trails, I think everyone's allergic to trails, actually, especially if you live in uh, the city. You don't like driving out towards trails. Yeah. I'm not sure you're allowed to call out a park if it's concrete. That should be a rule. <laughs> there should be a rule against that. You'll have to talk to the council uh, about one, Moose. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tuesday afternoon, I just got out. Uh, I think it was, what was the afternoon for that? Um, yeah, just 8Ks at 4.35 that afternoon. So, basically nothing special for that one either and then Wednesday when you um, morning, sorry perka when you jog do you contain yourself with heart rate or um just go by feel or pace? do you keep it under a pace or over a pace um i just got a feel to be honest i don't um i don't look at my pace or heart rate i'm not too yeah i never really check my heart rate ever um when raf first started uh coach me um poor amsterdam he was sending me all this heart rate stuff and i really struggled with uh struggle with it because I was having to look at my watch all the time and uh mm. yeah I think I found that quite hard but luckily now he um I think he's learned just to give me a pace instead of heart rate and I kind of can I think he knows me well enough to kind of like you know judge me off pace um and yeah most of his stuff's quite challenging anyway so yeah you probably I'd probably be a bit worried if I was looking at my heart rate half the time yeah that's a good point looking at your watch like you have to when you're doing threshold stuff because it changes so quickly yeah. Uh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Wednesday morning, um, I was meant to do a session. Um, yeah, I was meant to do back-to-back sessions, actually, this day. Um, but I ended up just jogging because, yeah, I was still feeling a bit crook. So I got out for 13 and a half Ks at uh, 4.29s um, in the morning. And then um, in the afternoon, I got out for just 8 Ks on a, a little grass loop that I like to go on. So it was just 4.50s. Um, so nothing special along there, but it's a good grass loop. Uh, if anyone in Brisbane uh, wants to check it out, they can go into my Strava and have a look. Uh, Des Connor Park, um, it's a bit underrated, but it's a good uh, little grass loop that we have up here in Brisbane. One so, so you were supposed to do two workouts this day? Yeah. Um, oh, what was the workout? I think it was, it might've been um, 45 minutes at 3.30. So it wasn't going to be um, a super hard workout, but it was, yeah, it was still yeah, Raf likes to give the, the midweek kind of uh, long runs and he likes to kind of, you know, make them a bit of a challenge. So it's not something that I've kind of done too much before that, but uh, like he usually knows me well enough to kind of toe the line where I'm not, you know, I'm not too spent. But yeah, it would have been, I mean, 45 minutes at 3.30. So it probably would have been achievable, but. And yeah. then what was the, what was the other workout? So you, it was two yeah, on the tu- one day. No, no, it was a oh, Tuesday no, no. and a Wednesday session. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. back to back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 back to back days. Uh, gotcha. So yeah, and then uh, Friday I just got out. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Thursday morning I'm up too. So Thursday morning I just got out for a run, um, just twelve k's at four thirty. So I went uh, for a run with uh, my mate Tim Fisk. He's a, 
I think he's run 29.30 um, and he was my training partner last year. He's been injured for about the last kind of six or seven months. So I think once he gets fire again, he'll be running probably low 29s and feeding me. So yeah, we go out for just an easy jog together and uh, caught up because we haven't, I haven't seen him for about the last four months because he's been out with, um, I think, a, a bit of a stress fracture in his uh, shin, I think it was. So, yeah, that was good to see him again. And then um, I didn't have an afternoon session that day. And then Friday morning, um, got out for 7Ks at 4.40 uh, up the coast. And, um, yeah, that led us into race day, Saturday morning. So Saturday morning, um, yeah, we had the Noosa half. And, yeah, it was good to kind of get up there and, get racing again for a half. I hadn't done one for uh, a fair while. So yeah, the race kind of, um, you know, went to plan for me. I wanted to go out there and kind of um, be a bit conservative, not, um, you know, go go for it um, for the whole way. I want to, yeah, as I said, go between 3.06 to 3.10 and, uh, for about 14 Ks. And then if I felt like it, Raf said, you know, you can kind of kick down the last um, six or seven K. But I ended up getting to, yeah, so 10K. And then I had, um, I was running with Alex, the guy who got second. Um, and I just, yeah, didn't want to kind of, I guess, carry him around for the second lap um, or him, you know, potentially uh, be there at the end and give him a sniff. So I decided to just put a bit of a surge in 10Ks in. And just, uh, yeah, after that, I went back to running, um, yeah, about 306s to, you know, I think, 308s until about 14Ks. And, yeah, I was meant to kind of kick it down from there. But, I yeah, I just didn't really... Um, I don't know, I just didn't really have the, I guess, the fight that sometimes I do have. I really enjoy racing a lot of times and enjoy the fight, but I just didn't really have that kind of motivation to go out and uh, really kind of kick it down. So I ended up just, you know, trying to hold that same pace. Um, and, yeah, I averaged about 307s for the, the half marathon. So it's probably a good uh, a good marathon workout for me. Now, what, what's your um, what's what's your plans looking for ahead? So in terms of marathon pace, that kind of thing, how this line up? Um, yeah, so I haven't actually fully discussed, uh, the pace yet with Raf. I'm kind of, um, hope, hoping to probably maybe go about 216, 215 kind of pace, uh, for Gold Coast, but I'm actually, uh, flying to Perth next week to do, um, yeah, a week training in WA and yeah, I'll run with, uh, Raf and his squad and kind of, uh, you know, probably have a good chat then about what he thinks I can go. So yeah, he's got some big workouts planned and yeah, I'm sure he'll probably test me and, you know, I guess from there we'll be able to maybe looking at pace that we think I might be able to hold. But, yeah, I'd like to ideally, you know, hold something that, yeah, would be around 2.16-ish. You can get a bit lonely at Gold Coast around that pace, like yeah, pack-wise. I remember last year seeing a few blokes isolated early. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's the probably the problem sometimes with Goldies. We don't have, um, you know, in the elite men's field, we don't have too many paces running that kind of, uh, obviously, time. So, yeah. yeah, I'm just hoping maybe um, someone like, you know, Tim Vincent or whatever, I'm not sure what he's going to run, but he's going to run, you know, about the 2.15 kind of time. I might try and, uh, yeah, go out with him. I think guys like Ed Goddard will be going for it, so I'm not going to have, uh, you know, any chance of keeping up with him at the start. But, um, yeah, maybe like someone like Tim Vincent, uh, if they go out, you know, maybe 2.15 pace could be a chance to work together. Yeah. And if you look past Gold Coast in terms of um, another, like, big overseas marathon... Um, no, not yet. So I think maybe I might look at one later in the year, but I haven't really, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much. I just want to, yeah, get Gold Coast kind of done. And then from there, I'll probably assess how the body pulls up and, you know, maybe next, early next year, might look at going over to Japan and doing, um, like a soccer or something like that. Um, yeah. 
yeah. And and just on your training week, because obviously we we got you on a week where you were racing, so it was a little bit different to what you'd normally do. So um, do you do so obviously easy Monday a double and then a session Tuesday and always a session Wednesday as well? Uh, only for the spy marathon block, I've started kind of doing the um, sessions Wednesday. Um, usually it's like I think the week before was about a thirty k run, and it was I think it was about an hour effort of maybe three. 40s to you know 335s to 340s so yeah I think I've started doing like the like the 30k kind of midweek long runs um yeah so I don't know if you call that a session or just a bit of a uh, higher intensity but yeah, yeah usually if I wasn't doing a marathon I'd just be doing an easy Wednesday so I'm usually most people who just does two sessions a week um, normally and so then when you're in the marathon block you'll do the the longer Wednesday with like a little bit of intensity and then what do you do another session Friday and then a hard long run or yeah so um i think it usually alternates between wednesday hard and uh, sunday hard so if i go hard wednesday then usually the sunday will be just an easy long run or if it's uh, a hard sunday long run then usually the wednesday will just be yeah an easy one so yeah. yeah i usually try and keep it two hard sessions a week and then you know if i'm doing two hard sessions then the long run's probably going to be um have a little bit of effort in there but yeah yeah there's not too much uh elevation if you look at my uh <laughs> runs though there's probably should be some intensity because yeah the elevation is definitely not there for me yeah and then um yeah interrupted your training week so then sunday because that was a saturday race sunday you got out for a, an hour by the yeah, looks of it yeah just an hour yeah so i actually pulled up um i pulled up really well after the race i'm not um sore at all so it helps having the alpha flies um you know to wear so yeah i kind of pulled up well yesterday and just got out for 13 k's at 436 yesterday actually Very so good. um yeah, yeah. So i think that was yesterday yeah <laughs> If I, um, yeah, it was an hour yesterday. Good week. Always good when you win a race. Yeah. How's that no, course? Uh, yeah, Mul Mul um, I'm sorry, Noosa's good. Um, it's pretty flat. Um, and this time of year, it's, yeah, perfect conditions up there. It was about, I think it was maybe like 11 to 12 degrees in the morning. So, yeah, it was, it was perfect racing conditions, actually, for the half marathon. Um, you probably couldn't have got a bit there today. It was us Queenslanders do get a bit, uh, you know, touchy if it's any colder than 10 degrees uh we don't know what to do with ourselves it's in the single digits so yeah it wasn't too cold but it was yeah probably i'd say ideal for running yeah yeah um all right i'll quickly whip through my week um yeah so i came out of hospital monday lunchtime and i was umming and ahhing it's like because no one said don't run um i was like should i run shouldn't i run and for the first half of the week it was actually causing me a lot of anxiety for numerous reasons because it was like I was also trying to work out who I was going to see. Was I going to go to Sydney um, later in the week for an appointment or was I just going to wait until I go to Melbourne mid-June? Um, so anyway, I did run that afternoon on the treadmill when I got home. I uh, did 40 minutes at five-minute Ks, um, whacked the heart rate monitor on, max heart rate of 129, average of 123. So that was pretty cruisy. Did another 45 minutes on the Tuesday on the treadmill. I just wanted to, I just wanted to run at home um, in case I had any sort of issues. Um, but both these runs were fine. So ran four minute 30 k's on the Tuesday um, for 45 minutes, and then Wednesday um, I went out for my first run outside. Still wanted to do like a midweek long run because I still had plans, or I still got plans to pace at Gold Coast. Um, so did 90 minutes and I did have a heart rate spike um, about three minutes in, um, but it only lasted for like 15 seconds. I could feel like the sort of 
tight chest and the breathing thing. Um, but because I was only running like four minute 30 Ks, like, you know, in the first three minutes, it wasn't that big of an issue. And then I didn't have, you know, any problems after that. So I did um, 90 minutes at 409s. So do you uh, step off the tranny when that happens? Oh, so no, this, that was outside. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 so the Monday and the Tuesday, I ran on the treadmill, but I didn't yeah. have any symptoms whatsoever. Um, and then Thursday, and so by, by this stage, um, I had booked in, so I'm going to be part of a study down in Melbourne, um, and that allows me to get all of this various testing done, plus see Andre. So I think I get like um, an ECG, a DEXA scan, um, an echocardiogram, which is like, I guess, an ultrasound. Um, I do a VO2 max test, I think, on a bike. Um, and I also have like an MRI um, on my heart where maybe I'm exercising while the MRI is happening. I'm not 100% sure, plus blood tests. So I'm getting a lot of these tests done. Um, and like, it's only going to cost me the flights and a night's accommodation to get down there. And I had made an appointment. I had made an appointment to go to Sydney on the Friday, um, but then I found out that it was unlikely that I would be doing a stress test up there. So I'd, I'd basically be driving to Sydney three hours to sit in the office and go through all of the tests that I'd had done for them to then say, yeah, we need to do a stress test, go home, come back another time. And so I ended up cancelling it. And as I said, the first part of the week, I was just having this like, high anxiety about what I should be doing and you know whether it was dangerous to run but then I got to like maybe Thursday afternoon and I went you know what stuff it I'm just going to basically like live my life normally you know obviously deal like if it deteriorates then I would you know address it and change what I'm doing um but unless things get bad I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing maybe just dial back some of the sessions, like not not run too hard in the sessions, which if I'm pacing the lead women at Gold Coast, I basically just need to be comfortable running 72-minute half marathon pace. I do, you know, a lot of stuff at that. And the second half of the week, I just felt so much better about everything. Um, so anyway, that brings me to th the Thursday run. So I just did my normal um, like 8.5K at 4.13s. Um, I didn't do any strides. I normally do strides Thursday, but didn't bother. And then I met Rob. Uh, a guy that I coach for a session on Friday afternoon. And it was actually the perfect session. He was doing a 30-minute progression run. Um, and so every every five minutes, the pace gets quicker by about five seconds a K. And uh, I thought that's going to be perfect for me because we're going to start at about 350s and work down to, you know, in the 320s. So I went um, 348, 342, 337-332, 328-317, um, didn't have any issues on this run at all. Um, average heart rate was like 152. Max was 165. Um, so I think that was sort of the perfect session to um, yeah to ease back into. Uh, then Saturday morning, I went out, did an hour. Um, I did have another little issue. Um, exactly the same time that I had the same had the issue on the Wednesday morning. So it was exactly three minutes in and lasted for about 15 seconds like heart rate gets close to yeah you know 200 and then it settles down are, are um, you wearing anything else to track it you know how you said that they can give you things or someone said that to me anyway they give you um wearables where you can actually like you get a bit of a report about what's happening in your heart yeah so there's um well there's a couple of things now so apple watches i think some of the apple watches now you can 
um, do something with your finger when you're um, experiencing it and it'll take like a 30 second ECG. Um, And there's another thing that you can get um, through, I think the company's called like Cardia, that, yeah, when you're having it or if you want to check your – if you want to get an ECG, you basically put your your fingers on this – looks like a metal plate sort of thing and then it syncs up with your phone and takes like a 30-second. So obviously if you're having an episode and it was lasting for quite a while and you had time to sort of – Get your phone out, get this thing out, and and um and do it. You yeah. you you would get a reading, but the problem is for me now. It's like it happened. It's all over so quickly, and as soon as I feel it coming on, I just almost I don't stop, but I just really back off, and my heart rate seems to just get into you know a normal rhythm again. Yeah, what like it'll just be so interesting to know why it's happening. Yeah, like I'm not concerned. So I ran what 120k all up last week, and I had. 30 seconds worth of issues over two runs you know and yeah so i don't think there's there's obviously something there but i'm, I'm not too concerned by yeah. it well please i'm not too concerned about by it um you know until i go to melbourne and get some more testing done i i know you're saying that but the way you say oh it's only 30 seconds over this but it's your heart yeah i know <laughs> it's like it doesn't need much more than 30 seconds yeah i know but it's like well, put this way, I've been, once I made that call about I'm just going to, you know, just keep training and, yeah, maybe not push quite as hard in sessions, I've, I don't know, I feel much better about it. And, look, it's only three and a half weeks until I go to Melbourne, so it's not it's not that far away. Um, anyway, so Monday oh, – sorry, Saturday morning was an hour, 4.09s. Went out for another run that afternoon, um, same loop, Mulligans, 4.18s for, yeah, seven and a half K. And then Sunday, I uh, met Rob for a long run again. Wanted to go, like, reasonably long um, because, yeah, like, I- I'm not going to finish the marathon this year like I did last year. I'll just pace. Um, but, yeah, I ended up doing two hours 15, uh, 32.8K at 4.07s. And, um, yeah, felt really good on this run. Had had one gel. Wasn't a super hilly. I, I cut out a few of the hills because, um, yeah, Rob was uh, – Rob was having a bit of a rough day and we sort of got to maybe like 22K where we'd start to add a bit more, a few more hills. And I said, mate, we're just going to go down to the lake because, um, yeah, I'm not taking you up into those hills because I think you'll you'll cook yourself. So, um, yeah, it ended up being a decent week, 121K. Yeah, that's pretty good for a bloke with a dodgy heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep, keep training. Um, yeah. And then hopefully – be given the all clear when I go to Melbourne and then do Gold Coast, um, go to, I don't know, somewhere between halfway and 30K at, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, three 324s. So, so that's where a lot of my training for the next few weeks will be based. So I'll do one, one shorter session with the group on a Tuesday night and then, like, this Friday, for example, I'm thinking of just going out and doing 10K in 34 minutes as, like, a tempo. Um, and then maybe on Sunday doing, like, a 17-minute 5K at the back end of the long run or something like that. We'll do, do a couple of those between now and Gold Coast anyway. That, that's all I'll need. Yeah, the, the thing that worries me is is you having one of these episodes in the, in the race but knowing that you only get paid if you get past a certain point. And your, <laughs> and your love of money is so much higher than your love of living. So... <laughs> I don't know whether you're going to have the control to pull back there. Well, I was thinking about that. If it did happen in the race, all I would and, and the 
um, the pattern at the moment is as soon as it happens, if I just dial it like back for like 10, 15 seconds, the heart seems to get back into rhythm. The only time I've had an issue was that first time where I was doing that session of seven minute tempo, two minute hard. And I just kept pushing in that seven minute tempo and I got to the end of it and I was just like completely gassed because I didn't just back off. Whereas it happened uh, the week after doing three minute reps and I just went from running like low three minute Ks to three twenties for like 10 or 15 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, I feel, feel normal again. Yeah. So, um, but look, but I'll know more after I go to, so I go to Melbourne testings on the 22nd of June and Gold Coast is um, what first weekend in July. Yeah, we actually ran with Andre on Sunday morning. Yeah. So I um I peppered him with questions, but he didn't give me much because I guess you're his patient or something. Well, I've never I've never met him. Um, no. I've had a couple of emails, but um it was funny. I got your message going. Yeah, Andre didn't seem too concerned, and that, I got that just as I had finished my like nearly 33k run at 407s. I'm like, I'll upload this. There's no issues then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. He 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 seems I guess he sees a lot of athletes. Yeah. Uh because he's a sport a sports cardiologist or something. Um so he sees a lot like you, whereas I'm not sure the, the hospital cardiologists see a lot of hearts that do the things that yours does. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's less conservative than um, the hospitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's thank some patrons. Uh, do you want to go first, Perko? Yeah, sure. So I've got um, Jacob Graham. So he lives on the far north coast of New South Wales in the Ballina slash Byron Bay area. Um, his 5K PB is 22.20, and he's set that at the Ballina Park Run. Um, he's run 68 58 at last year's City of Surf. And um, fun fact, he works for cricket, uh, New South Wales, as the cricket manager for the far north coast. Um, and he has a bachelor's degree in sports development from Griffith University. Oh, pretty good spot to be living. Yeah. Yeah, great spot. I don't think the running's great in Byron, though, is it? Like, uh, there's yeah, not a lot no. of places to get out to. To the lighthouse? Yeah. yeah, that's not the best run. That's too much yeah. car. Bit too much hill for me, so yeah, yeah. I, I've always people go on holiday there, they find like the running sucks for them, not a good place yeah. to train. Like, if you're going, if you've got an event coming up, and you're but I mean, I haven't been to Byron since I was like 14 years old, that was a good place, wasn't it? It seems to have co- kept cover pretty bad rap now. I haven't, I been, I haven't been there. It's a good spot. I think it's full of um, where the celebrities go. I know uh, that's where I mean Chris Hemsworth and, uh, and all those kind of uh, celebrities used to own properties. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really nice spot. But um, I definitely yeah, yeah, agree it's not um, probably the best place uh, for running. But yeah, yeah, that's my patron. Who you got, yeah. Moose? Uh, Chris Foster from Ireland. So he said he's five k, ten mile, half, and marathon in twenty twenty three. Geez, that's going good. Good start of the year for Chris. 5K, 16.29, he ran that at the streets of Kilkenny 5K, ran a 78.26 at Malinga Half Marathon, two hours 57 at London, and he runs for the Malinga Harriers. Uh, We think he recently got engaged and is a lead software engineer at Salesforce. 
Okay, good on you, Chris. Congratulations, good. Chris. If you, if you, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he got recently engaged. Yeah. Recently engaged and set all his PBs. <laughs> what about um, Perco, Mrs. Wife, kids? Um, yes, yeah, so I got a uh, girlfriend, uh, Emily. So she's also a runner. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we've only played started dating. I think it was six, seven months ago. So uh, yeah, definitely no kids. No, uh, no. All right, interesting. Yeah. She, um, she's actually uh, used to train under one of your mates, Moose, uh, Brad from the running company, Sunshine Coast. So I was having breakfast with him on the weekend when um, when we got the message on from Croaks about the, the podcast. Oh, that's funny because I got a message from Brad on um, Saturday morning. Oh, oh really? Saturday, uh, no, yeah, Saturday morning. He wrote, Marathon <laughs> suck. Might need your help, mate. <laughs> I think he had a pretty bad one. <laughs> he can get the expert up next week to um you know do some uh training with him mm. oh yeah 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 interesting um all right so i've got vegard aslan Sorensen. uh lives in morana norway runs 75 56 at the 2021 marathon carousellen so i think it's like the car i think that's carousel in uh norwegian um and that race was in bergen and he ran 242 at Berlin last year, does a lot of skiing, and I think he might be a dad. So um, thank you to all of those patrons um, and all the others that we have. And, uh, yeah, Brady, I think, has just finished recording Road to Gold Coast, Episode 3, so that should be there um, tonight or tomorrow morning. And, yeah, thanks to the patrons because those bonus shows only happen with your support. Perko, uh, um, we stitched you up there. I was gun- I was campaigning to get you on that show. And um, because you were doing Gold Coast and, Brad, you heard me in the chat group. Well, I was the first one to put it out there. Yeah, no, nah, Brad, Brady's gone with Tim Vincent, who admittedly was a good listen, round one. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a much better runner, Tim, than me. I think he's got um, yeah, much better PB, so you've made the right choice there. Yeah, but we're the winners, Moose. We get the milkman right oh, now, yeah. whereas we wouldn't have him if he was on the road to Gold Coast. Yeah. Brady gets Brady's always a bit tired too, so he takes shortcuts, and you don't get to hear the full story. At least we get to hear your full story. Uh, um, all right, let's whip through some running news. So um, yeah, this morning I woke up to watch the Rabat Diamond League races. Um, so the women's fifteen, um, Gudaf Sege, she won in three fifty four oh three. This was yeah, they went quick early, so it was like sixty point six. The pacemaker went through the first lap. And uh, she wasn't far behind. Uh, the only one that went with her was Berku Halem, who ended up finishing third in 357.66. Second was uh, Frueni Halu uh, in 357.65. We had Lyndon Hall um, in that race. She finished sixth in 403. Um, either of you guys watch this race? No, I didn't watch no. it. No? Um, no? All right. No. So did you see any Diamond League at all? See the men's 15? Um, no, I didn't no? see. I didn't. I saw the last hundred meters of the fifteen. All right. Well, I'll talk you through this one. You so, do it, mate. You're the you are the running man here. <laughs> All right. So Jakob Ingebrigtsen got the win in three thirty two point five nine. Beat Jared Nagus three thirty three point oh two. And Ollie Hall was third in three thirty three point three nine. So they got out first lap in like fifty five fifty six. So it was pretty honest. Um, but then no one really wanted to go with the pace. So then they ran like a 59-second sec, 59 second, second lap, 
which you know probably meant that the time wasn't going to be ridiculously fast. Once the pacer dropped out, um, Jakob was just on the front, and um, there was like you know a little gap to Ollie, and then there was a little gap to Yared Nagus. And for that whole last like 300 meters, it stayed like exactly the same. The only difference was in the last like 50 or 60 meters, um, Nagus was able to to go past Ollie. So that's pretty much how that one played out. Um, women's 800, Mary Mora got the winning 158.72. Kat Bissett was second in two minutes 0.11, and Sage Herdeklecker was third in two minutes 0.62. Um, and just the other result there is, um, yeah, El Bacali won the men's steeple in 756.68, which was the eighth fastest of all time and only three seconds off the world record. He won by like nine seconds or something. So wow. um, pretty good for this time of the year. You'd have to think that world record uh, is under threat given, um, you know, it's so early in the season. Pretty good for Molly too. Like, Yeah. You talk, this was deep, this field. And it was high end. Like, no one's beaten Nagusi for a long time. Yeah. Jakob, though, I mean, this bloke just can't be beaten. No. He's just phenomenal. He did it easy. Like, he just – you could sense that he was just doing enough to hold them off, and that's why the gap just always stayed the same. Nagus probably closed a little bit in the last 50, but, you know, the the damage was was already done. Have we ever seen anyone so – Dominant in the 15. I mean, mm. pro- we probably have, but I just didn't watch athletics then. Well, El Garouge was pretty dominant back in the day. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I guess there was a period there where Chariot was pretty dominant, wasn't he? I don't think for this long, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, but speaking of him, he's he's bounced back. So there was a LA Grand Prix meet, and um, he won the men's 1500 in 331.47, which is a world-leading time. Reynold Chariot was second in 332.01, and Hobbs Kessler, um, yeah, ran 332.61, which um, he was like a high school star and basically didn't go to college, turned pro. Um, he's only just turned 20, and he's coached by um, Nick Willis's um, old coach, Ron uh, Warhurst. So, um, yeah, he's one to sort of keep an eye out. Cooper T was fourth in 332.74. Um, women's race was won by Dereba Welteji. It was 357.84, which was a world-leading time until the Diamond League. A um, couple of other results from that meet. Lauren Ryan, Aussie girl, she finished second in the 5K in 15.11. Um, race was won by Emily Lapari, 15.08. And Abdihamid Nur won the men's 5K in 13.05. Uh, and the only other sort of international uh, result that we'll mention tonight was um, Abby Caldwell, Ran 158.92 to win an 800 metres at the British Milers Club meet. Is she Queenslander, Lauren Ryan? Uh, don't know. I thought I she might have been Victorian. Yeah, I don't think she's Queensland. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Victorian. Maybe, yeah. She That's that's solid there. It's getting down like, there, isn't it? Easily her best result. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know the all the details behind the point stuff, but if you put, like, a, another PB a bit like run another PB, maybe get in the 13 digits, there, there could be spots start open up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Kieran, do you want to whip through some of the Noosa results? Yeah, sure. So so in the marathon on the weekend, I mean, at Noosa we had um, 
Dave Ridley, he ran 2.25, so that's a really impressive time, um, considering he would have done it probably all by himself. Um, so he, yeah, ran outstanding, actually, for that. Uh, Jamie Lacey came second in 2.27, and um, Hugh Clancy third in 2.35. Uh, the women's, um, Roxanne, you have to help me with that last name, uh, Craig, so I'm not sure how to pronounce uh, that. Sharta Masebi. Shout to Masebi, yeah, Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stitch up. Um, yeah, she <laughs> marathon in 254. Uh, local uh, Brisbane legend Jess Willis, she got second um, in 255.17. She was um, actually winning, um, but I think she had a bit of difficulty in the late stages of the marathon. But um, yeah, she's one to watch um, in the coming months. She's doing Berlin Marathon. And uh, third place was Nikki Curry in 255.23. Mm. So Fairly close to those girls. I don't know if you noticed this, but when I looked up the results, so Jessica and Nikki, who finished second and third, their net times were actually faster than the winner's time. It, it's like it took them ages to cross the start line, which I, yeah. thought, was, I thought was quite weird. I think um, I spoke to Jess uh, about this today, actually, um, and she said that there's um, it could have been a soft, faulty, you know, mat or whatever, because she said the girl, um, was it Roxanne, clearly finished in front, so... Yeah, I'm not sure what the go yeah. was there. Yeah, but, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Def- I saw it as well, and I thought that was a bit mm. odd. I was trying to work out um, what could have happened. Yeah. Uh, half marathon? Yeah, yeah so half marathon. Um, had myself uh, come first, 66.20. Um, second was Alex Harvey, 66.52, so he wasn't far behind. And uh, third place was uh, Jordan McLennan from the Gold Coast Runco. So, yeah, he's looking forward to doing a big race on uh, Gold Coast. He's, mm. um, yeah, gearing up for a marathon. Friend of the show, friend of the show, old Jordo. Remember, yeah, he's remember him, Yeah, I know Jordo. Yeah, he's going hashtag, all right, isn't he? Steigen hashtag one. Yeah, be good to he's see him on the Gold back. Coast. He mm. think he's still his best performance is still Steigen one his whole career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, hasn't run anything skin. quite near, near that since then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, women's yeah, race, great bloke. Um, yeah, so women's half we had Nurse O'Donnell from Burt Squad. Um, she smashed it. She um ran seventy eight twenty seven. So that was a really um comeback race for Nerissa. She's had a child, I think um might have been 18 months ago. And um yeah, she's bounced back really well with that race. Um second place was Beth McKenzie in 7924. Uh and third place was Brooke Williams in uh was it 81 minutes and seven seconds. So good work to those girls. And the 10K, um Tommy Campbell got first in 3117. Ryan Kelly second in 3212. And third place was Andy Day, um, mate of mine, um, a fellow Burt Squad member in 32.15. So I think I'm not sure of Andy's age, but um, I think I don't want to uh, give it away, but I think he's pushing 50. So, Oof. you know, to be close to running uh, 32.15 at that age, um, he's also runs, he's one of those guys that can run 100Ks uh, at a ridiculously fast pace. Um, so, and he's also, I think, run, um, he hasn't quite run sub 15, but he's, I think he's run like low 15 10s. Um, so, yeah, he's one of our uh, star performers in Brisbane. Um, mm. You know, yeah, his age grading will definitely be up there with, you know, some of the best that I know of. Yeah, wow. And, um, yeah, females. Um, so female 10K, Ella McCarthy got first in the time mm. of 35.20. Tara Gorman, 36.08. And uh, third place was Sailor Donnelly uh, in 37.01. Nice work, Perko. You can uh, come back anytime while you're reading these results out. <laughs> Really yeah. Um, where, where are you taking? The, sorry, go on. 
I said, I've listened to the podcast a few times, so yeah, I've just taken a few notes. <laughs> like where, are taking, where are you taking it? Where are you taking Warwick? Where are you taking us to, Moose? We're going to St Anne's for the premier running event of the weekend. Sorry, Perko. Um, yeah, no, it's, agreed. <laughs> uh, this was crazy deep in the men's side. So really big race here. I think you had a lot of guys up and coming. And then you had some pretty seasoned vets as well out there. So, um, look, you've got the top three here, but I'm going to go deeper than that if you're okay with with that, Croaks. All right. Um, so we got Andre Waring coming in first. He just beat Ed Marks, I think, around the last corner, maybe or close to. Ran 24-17, uh, Ed 24-20. So third place you had Brett Robinson, who's – I mean, you could say he's our best cross-country runner of the last decade. He was third place, 24-40. Andy Buchanan, who also ran at World Cross, was fourth, 24-41. Dave McNeil, um, who's been to several Olympics, 24-45 in fifth place. And then you've got guys like Liam Cash and uh, I think he was National Steeplechase Bronze. Archie Noakes, who won Elwood Park last weekend. Lachlan Hurd, Joel Tobin White. So you're getting down there and you start like I think I'm gonna reel off that 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 um I'm gonna reel off that image that Brady sent us, or was it stats or something? Um if I can pull it up here. So he he loves to go deep on this stuff. Real deep. because uh, he likes to make himself feel good about where he came. Um so Here's some stats for you. The 20th place had a PB, 29.25. 21st place was 13.58. 22nd, 29.34. 23rd, 29.34. 24th, 29.22. 26th place in this race is a 29.37 guy. That's good, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we'll go down the field. 49th place is a 29.55 guy. That's yeah. <laughs> Which is a two two fourteen guy. That would have been better. Fifty first place. Michael Kernahan's run sub thirty. Don't worry about that. Mm. Um, so yeah, this it could well be the best cross country field outside of a national cross that's ever been. I reckon. Yeah. Um, so that's the men's in the women's. Um, quite the opposite, to be honest. So none of the top ten from last year rocked up to this this to for this round. I thought that was crazy. How could you not get any of the top ten show up the next year? Like that's is that injuries? Who, who were they? Last, last year. year. Yeah. Uh, let me show you. Let me tell you. Last year, Georgia Hansen, Melissa Duncan, Rachel McGuinness, Amy Robertson, Charlie Wilson, Emma Hogan, Deb Bruce, Kate Mason, Sophie Coglin, Simone Brick. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I mean. The times, though, are very similar, like in the men's. Um, so even though these girls didn't show up, the 10th place last year was 30-32, and 10th um, place this year was 30-52. So you could argue that it was, like, pretty similar in terms of, um, in, of like, depth here. Uh, it's just a different bunch of ladies. Um, Ali won. So she she was off the front pretty early. She basically ran solo the whole way. She ran 28.11, which 
um, I was quick to point out to her was quite a lot slower than Georgia Hansen, who ran 27.37 last year. Uh, so then Victoria Scalsonis was 29.04. She was second. She came through the field really well, actually. She was like, well, I'm going to say like fifth to tenth halfway and moved through well. Jim Amaney was third, 29.14. Um, it's good watching the races out there, like jogging around the courses. I really like cross country for that. So yeah, uh, in the in like the teams event, Bendigo they won. I mean, they should have won. It's their home course. Men's and the, that is men's. In the men's, sorry, in the men's. Yeah, ninety-two points they had. And look, your your, your race is in Bendigo. How easy is it to get for people <laughs> to show up? So Box Hill, one hundred and thirteen was second. Glenn Huntley, who won the first two rounds, they're one hundred. Oh, were they, maybe they didn't win the second round, but they're 143 points. Um, St. Stephen's in the ladies won 63. They absolutely flogged it. Glenn Huntley second. Ballarat region was third. That's crazy. I don't think Ballarat's had a women's team in the top three for years. Mm. So good on them. And I've got to say good on to, like, it, it would be really easy for someone like Brett Robinson to, to, to skip this coming off a marathon and um, had a probably break and then just he's been a bit, bit sick he's been a bit sick too so he's not okay. in he's not in tip top shape yeah so yeah. even more reason why he could just skip it there's just so much for those guys even Ali to a degree she's coming off a marathon same day to, to lose by showing up to these races like very little gain a lot to lose in terms of um, face. Like, you're expected to win. It's so much more pressure when you're expected to win. So I've, I reckon kudos to them for showing up to the AV series. Yeah. But it's also the system you've got down there. Like, you know, you're basically turning an individual sport into a team sport in winter, and it's so it's so good. Like, I, I think I would race more often if I was part of this environment because yeah. of that team atmosphere, whereas no other state has it like this. 100%. And the, the Geelong ladies team have a team for the first time in several years, and the vibe around the tent is just high. It's just fun. Like the ladies are carpooling down. We've got people from Melbourne. We've got ladies on the bus now traveling. Um, <laughs> the, at the finish line, like everyone's grouped around together, and these girls don't fully know each other that well, but they're bonded as a team already, and it's really cool to watch. And they're, they're running for each other now. Like, they're not running for themselves. Do you uh, want to do that last result or do you want to go to yeah, this question? No, we'll talk about it because I want to get Kieran's opinion on this. <laughs> um, the Barossa Half Marathon. Look, it's not a big-time race, but 67.09. The real story here, the Cox brothers, Jacob and Riley, finished holding hands again. Now, talk to me about this, uh, Kieran. <laughs> I think they're trying to get inside your head, Moose. I think um, they know you don't like it. So, um, yeah. Well, that, that would be me getting you. inside their head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you've done it. You've done it. You're both in each other's heads. But yeah. it didn't work, Moose. The electronic timing gave one of them a win. I wonder if they're dishing the prize money to each other here. <laughs> or Because yeah. this is where you put some better prize money out. Things get, um, things get tasty. Mm. Jacob got the win, by the way. On time. Oh, good. Yeah, he doesn't win a lot over Riley, does he? Riley, though, like, obviously, he's real into 
taken money for promotions and stuff from brands. So I reckon he'd be good at this. I reckon he wouldn't like this, I mean, getting <laughs> the prize money going away from him. So maybe next year or maybe even the next race things change. Um, Tara Palm was the first lady in 75-18. So I think she's um, she's going down to Launceston half as well to do. So, yeah. And did you want to give your uh, Shoe Geeks teammate a shout-out for winning a fun run? Oh, shit, Nitta. Did he win, did he? He won the 10. Oh, I didn't see the results. I 30, just saw 33-something. I just saw his Strava that said um, – <laughs> he said uh relaxed early um and but then he didn't get any faster <laughs> so i'm not sure i couldn't work that out but good on you nitter it's not yeah. often nitter wins races uh all right let's move on to listen to question and um yeah i've given it to you this week kieran okay so um listen to question is how important would you rate a hilly long run uh for a flat marathon so um yeah i can't i said probably have a much of a thing on this because most of my long runs are fairly flat so um but if i was to give it some advice i do think they definitely have their place the hilly uh, long run they um help build strength and kind of you know help use different muscles than what you might just use just constantly running on flat um so i think they're very important in your you know your marathon training block but then again i think when i ran my uh marathon mm. i definitely did not do any hilly marathon training i ran 217 so i know i think Ideally, if you can do them, do some, but, you know, I don't think you have to do them. If you're going to be running a flat marathon, um, you know, I wouldn't lose too much sleep if you just did flat, but I'll let, see what Moose has to say about it. Well, mate, you're a sub-29 man. Maybe you need some hills to get your marathon down a bit. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to uh, hit you up, Moose, for some tips then on the hills. I know you like to do your hilly long run, so. Yeah, well, don't follow me anymore. <laughs> Maybe go back and look at Strava from a few years ago. But no, no, I think I like hills earlier in the block yeah. and then I like transitioning to flatter stuff towards as we get towards the race. So like maybe eight to 10 weeks out. Uh, so the uh, 20 to 10 weeks out, I want you on a hilly long run every week, basically. Uh, and then outside of that time, hilly long runs every week. And then when you get to the, um, the last sort of eight to 10 weeks, I'll almost alternate between a fast flat run and a um, and another hilly run. So I, I, I still think they play a big part in it, um, but I, I don't think they need to be done every week. And I think there's sort of more specific stuff that can get done as you work your way to, to race day. Mm -hmm. um, because the, just there's a real difference between being tired running four thirties on hills and being tired but having to turn your legs over running 330s, if that's what you're aiming for, is it's a very different sort of skill set and you're you're using different um, muscles to do that. So like the, there's, there's different muscles that are working at those paces. You've got a different range of motion. Uh, things are working physiologically different that need conditioning to get you ready for race day. And so running 430s over hills doesn't do that. It builds other things like aerobic strength, which is what we really want. It builds you to become more efficient at your using fuel. Um, but as you get towards race day, we need to condition the, like, I guess, the neuromuscular system the, um, and the musculoskeletal system as well, just to be more rhythmic for the pace you need. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Moose, in terms of if you're doing like marathon 
uh, like long reps at marathon pace as part of like a long run. You want that to be on a flat. But I, I still think there's a place for – because often you'll do that towards the back end of a long run. So I still like sometimes making the first half of your long run over some hills because it, I find it just beats the legs up a little bit more. So then when you get onto the flat to do the marathon pace stuff, it, it sort of replicates a little bit more how you're feeling towards the back end of the marathon. So you're running at marathon pace on probably more tired legs by having done a few hills in the first hour and a half. So I still think there's a place for that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think generally speaking, people don't run enough hills. That's, that's what I've noticed um, across the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks for thanks to S. Pato for that question. And uh, Moose, you got a Moose on the Loose or Purchase of the Week? Brady actually has alerted me to a Moose on the Loose. He, um, he got real upset when someone told him that they would have caught him if there was another K in the race on <laughs> Saturday. So... <laughs> Anyone ever said that to you, Kieran? Yeah, I said to that Kieran up at Sydney 10. I said if it was another 60k, I would have had him. Yeah. Yeah, you probably would have croaked some. <laughs> Unless the hard gave out first croak, so yeah, I don't true. know how long the hard goes for. Yeah, yeah well, see, that, I actually reckon my run was pretty good in Sydney 10 with a dodgy heart. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a, a minute or so on that. So, yeah, I think if we are, you know, I think the poor listeners, if they had the advice um, about the dodgy heart for the uh, event, there would have been some different predictions potentially on the time. Has, has anybody said that to you before? Um, not, that I'm, not that I can remember, but, um, yeah, I think that's a good chat, actually. Yeah, I think that definitely would have gotten Brady's head in a night. I remember finishing um, Great Ocean Road Marathon one year, and uh, it was like 10 minutes in front, maybe even more, 10 minutes or more in front of this bloke who – Cross the line, and my mate heard him say, "Oh, I reckon if it was hillier, I would have won that." <laughs> <laughs> that was good value later on when I was on the piss. Just yeah, like... definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, so... so that's it, Moose. Do want to that, go yeah, any that's... go any harder on that? Um, I'm pretty happy with that. Pretty happy right. with yeah, that little Brady stitch up. And um, any more questions for Perko before we sort of let him go? Um, how good do you reckon you're going to be? What's your top limit? Don't don't say any. The sky's the limit, mate. I want to know how good you think you could really be. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought. Like, I haven't really thought too you know deep about it. Like how good I can be. My goal really is just to keep improving each year. And um, you know, ideally, you know, maybe two two fourteen would be great one day. Um, get near Moose's time. Um. Yeah, but honestly, I think my main focus when I go to racing is just, you know, to get better each race and uh, try and get better each year. So, yeah, I'm 30 years old now. So hopefully, um, you know, there's still some time. Um, the fact that I've started running later in life, you know, there's a bit of time left to drop those times down. So I want to try and do some track work maybe next year and, yeah, see if I can get close to that 5KB PB again and, um, yeah, potentially get some, you know, Faster times, but yeah, with the marathon, I think um, yeah, there's probably a couple of minutes I can hopefully shave off in next year or two. Yeah, I reckon you, time. Yeah, I'm backing you in. I reckon you run well on the roads, definitely better than the track, and it seems like you're built well for a marathoner too. Like, I don't know, just handle the training volume with those big bones. Yeah, I love it how Moose talks me up for being uh, strong and stuff because when I go to work each day, um, 
there's some big units in the army and I'm one of the small guys. So I think, I, I think it's hilarious in the running scene that um, I'm seen as big uh, and strong because I'm 70 kilos. Because uh, I said, that's uh, basically the lightest guy on base almost, you know, kicking around in the army. But I think there used to be a saying, I think Deke used to say it like, a fit big man will always beat a fit small man. Like the same sort of thing that like, if you, you, you know, if you can handle the training and, and you, if you've got that strength, like that will often help you, um, yeah, the back end of the marathon. I'm sure, like I've definitely heard that saying before. Um, and I think Deke might have said it because Deke was obviously, like Deke wasn't a small small guy. Tree trunks for legs. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, one, one more thing. I forgot to tell you the story that Matt Hansen told me. He said you were um, warming up one time when you were with the Pert squad and someone was running towards you and something happened and you turned into a maniac and you tried to fight some guy and you ran like you were really aggressive. Tell us no, about that. That's, that, that's, uh, that's definitely not what happened. I think um, this is actually a funny story. So one time I was out <laughs> on a run with um, Adam Fogg, uh, you know, great runner and uh, Matt Hansen, and they were I going through this bit of phase um, as juveniles do um, of just screaming in uh, whoever they walk past in the morning's face, uh, morning brother. So they do that um, every basically run I'd go on. And uh, it used to shit me off actually, but <laughs> you couldn't tell those guys uh, back in the days. So, uh, Foggy was, you know, a bit of a superstar. Uh, so he, you know, had these uh, bit of swag on. And um, one day I think Hanso and uh, Foggy, uh, we came around this corner and there was these, three big, you know, 100-plus kilo footy boys. And uh, I think Foggy decides to scream in their face at 5.30 in the morning, like, morning brother, in pitch black. And these uh, these boys yell out to us, uh, you wait till uh, you come back. We'll be waiting for you. So <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think I think they thought nothing of it. And, uh, then I was out, I know, about an hour or so, maybe later, I mean, less maybe 45 minutes later, we've come back on our return journey. And uh, sure as shit, uh, we came back and these boys are waiting for us. <laughs> um, and Foggy, uh, these uh, three guys I was with, uh, Sam Rose, Foggy, and uh, Matt Hansen, they all uh, turned the custard and uh, basically tried to dodge these guys. And uh, I think Foggy and uh, Sam got around them um, by sidestepping. And then uh, Matt Hansen was cornered and had this big dude, a uh, big 110-kilo guy in his face uh, about to punch his lights. And I was, I kind of had to um, stand up for Matty and uh, basically take the brunt of this guy. Um, you know, he, nothing happened, but... Um, yeah, I had to kind of stand up to him and uh, de-escalate a bit so Matty could get out because otherwise I think he's about to get his uh, lights punched out mm. for Matty. Um, he was oh. only about 20, 16 or 17 at the time, but I think there's a good lesson for him to, you know, watch out who you gob off to. I think I've learned yeah. that. Uh, being, in the, being in the army, you don't gob off to people who are bigger than you and stronger than you. So yeah, that's a good life lesson for him. But, good man, yeah. Perko. Good man. Um, that would have pissed me off too. If I was running with people and they were doing that, I'd just be like, oh. Grow up. Yeah, it, went for, it went for about a year. Um, those guys just, you know, screaming um, at the top mm. of their voice at five in the morning uh, in Newfound Park, morning brother. So, yeah, that's a good story to finish mm. off with. Yeah, I like that. That would have been good for him to probably learn a sp- stronger lesson, I reckon, based off <laughs> yeah. that story. I thought about that, but I, I'd probably, um, you know, I don't yeah. want to be known in the guy in the story as a guy who just like, you know, let him get bashed. So I thought I better step up and uh, do the right thing and yeah. save Maddie from getting his lights punched out. Not the big army boy. Just <laughs> no, I would be no good. As, I would be no good as well. I just wanted to get Maddie out of there, and then we all ran away. Actually, so yeah. <laughs> but we saw those guys actually, um, you know, about every week. I think they they run the same or walk the same course as us because they're walking. Um. So we saw him plenty of times, and I think um, all the boys' heads would go down every time we saw him for the next year or so. 
uh, every oh, Wednesday morning. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. Us well, run, thank us run, Yeah, us runners aren't the most toughest bunch, I think. Uh, you know. <laughs> Not yeah. Queenslanders. Damn, this way we are. Mm-hmm. Are you? Okay. well perco thank you so much for tonight it's been great sort of hearing a bit about you and your running and um yeah all the best for gold coast we might even uh get you back on you know a couple of weeks out from gold coast to see how you're tracking yeah sounds good thank you great idea folks and moose what are you um what you got coming up going to noosa yeah going to noosa it's going to be great hope the weather's good up there perco is it oh it's to be honest um it's been absolutely perfect up in um Queensland anyone um in Queensland at the moment we've had no clouds in the sky for the last week and um it's yeah big perfect temperatures so mid-20s um during the day and about you know low 10s at night no clouds in the sky so Moose wow. I hope it's good for you when you come up here thanks mate if yeah. you if, if you feel like getting away from Brisbane I'll be yeah I'll be there on the bike with you <laughs> no <laughs> I'll, I'll try to I'll try to get up for you um, or I'll just whip through a couple of things from a podcast point of view. Um, yeah, the Mottram interview part two will be coming on the end of this. Um, Road to Gold Coast episode three will be out um, yeah, tonight or tomorrow. The monthly is going to happen next week with Brady, um, Toby and Christian. We've got Diamond League. Uh, the Roman Florence meet is on the 2nd of June, which um, I know Stewie's running the 5K. Um, New South Wales Cross Country Relays. And, um, yeah, shout out to the Wollongong Running Festival, which um, I was going down to do this weekend, um, but I've had to obviously pull out with uh, the heart stuff. But, um, yeah, just a shout out to um, Tunners, the um, race director. I hope it all goes well. And last thing, Gold Coast Live Show, Moose. Um, mm. it's, it's happening. Lulu Lemon, they're the sponsors. Um, it's a free event for the public and tickets will be made available, um, yeah, shortly. So, uh, Mate, it looks said, good. It looks really good. It's going to be heaps of fun. Yeah, big venue. Um, and yeah, tickets will be made available. Um, Patreons get first crack at it, and then it'll be make, made uh, open to the public after that. Venue much closer to the um, surfers, so you won't mm. have to get on a train or anything. You'll just be able to walk from surfers. And yeah, very good venue. Also going to be done, pr- like got a bit of it a... Uh, what do you say, like event people doing it. So mm. it's going to be top notch. May or may not be goodie bags. Can't confirm yet. Yeah, it's, oh, they'll be good goodie bags if they're coming from that company. Sorry, sorry can you hear me now? Yep. Did you uh, ask me something? I just uh, had my AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, we're just plugging our Gold Coast live show. Are you going to come? Yeah, no, I'll come. I'll be there. Is there free food? Yeah, it's, free, it's a free event. Sunday yeah. Arvo. Croaks ain't shouting your food. Maybe we... free, free beers, I'll uh, be there for sure. Maybe yeah. Zach will. Nice. All right. Well, that um, rounds out episode 291. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with uh, another guest host. But, um, yeah, all the best, Perco, with the Gold Coast prep. And, um, yeah, we'll get you back on in two, three weeks maybe. All right. Thank you. See you, See mate. See you, mate. Thank you. We'll go to the OAC stuff now, Craig. So, like, you're the head coach, OAC Oceana. I think you want to rename it to Down Under. Um, Announced in Feb, March, Ben Buckingham, Claudia Hollingsworth. Um, We'll go through all the names in a second. But how long was it in the works before the announcement? Because this is a big deal for Australia. Like, we haven't really seen. We've watched what they've done in Boulder. Yeah, it's... 
pretty exciting for us, um, us down here. Uh, so it was, pro- it would have been at least 18 months. This, the yeah. conversations and the, so my, my contract to get this team up and going was, was nearly two years ago. So it's, um, it's been something that's been in the, in the pipeline for a long time. We, we got postponed a little bit due to the setback in the Tokyo Olympics 2020 to 2021. Uh, and then once those Olympics were out of the way, that, those conversations really started to ramp up in terms of what, um, what this could look like in Australia. Um, so for us and for me, the first thing to do was to set the foundation up right in Melbourne because our biggest challenge or barrier to success of a team like this is, well, there's a number of them, but ultimately no one believes that something like this would ever happen in Australia. So actually having it set up and having a facility, a home base in Richmond, uh, the gym set up, the partnerships in place, um, and having the infrastructure there so that when athletes, when a conversation with an athlete were, was to happen, it could actually happen on site and it could happen in an in a environment where they could actually see it was tangible. They could they could touch and feel what was actually going to happen because they've seen it in the US with Dathan's crew and the US group and everything else. And if we just have it as a conversation, gentlemen, around like this, that, yeah, we're going to do this OAC thing, we're going to set it up here and, Everyone just goes, yeah, 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 whatever. But if you come in and see it and can touch and feel and live it and breathe it and see the investment and everything else, that makes it real for them. So the first six to 12 months, to, uh, to be honest, was setting that up and actually getting um, our you know, sort of team booklet, I suppose. So what, you know, what the goals are, what we want to do, what, the, what we're going to live by, how we're going to go about it, the gym space, the partnerships and all of that sort of stuff. It's like setting up a business. You've got to get the foundation right first. Um, and then you can start having conversations with athletes around what that's going to look like for them. Yeah. Um, with the OAC, like where's the balance in trying to sign athletes that are quite already established, um, hunting for championship medals versus ones that you're developing? Because at the moment it seems a bit more of a developmental um, squad in terms of, there's probably not many there that are looking to, you know, well, make, um, you know, win medals at world championships. So where's, where's the balance there? Um, well, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting balance. Obviously, Ben Buckingham is one of the mature athletes that come across and we have um, some really exciting hopes for him over the next 6, 12 to 18 months going into world champs this year and then obviously Paris next year. So I don't want to say we're a development group and we're looking at athletes only, you know, in the early stages of their career that have no hopes of making finals at World Champs because Ben's going to buck that trend, excuse the pun, in terms of what we're hoping um, for him. But ultimately, this is a, a group of younger athletes that are coming in to, uh, to take a long-term approach to being successful in, in the sport of international track and field. Um, we have, we're pretty fortunate in 2026, the Commonwealth Games in, in Melbourne or regional Victoria which is a big target for us. Uh, and then obviously 2032 in Brisbane, nine years from now, uh, having the Olympics is, is also a, a major focus for us. So very difficult to, to select athletes at this point that you think are going to win medals in Brisbane in, in nine years from now because there's so much time that can go between, well, so much time between now and then. But it's about building a, a, a really good, solid development team to target short-term goals with the vision to achieve longer-term greatness over the next five to ten years. Um, we're in a really fortunate position that the US model, the team over there, 
um, is shouldering a lot of the expectation for international success at the moment. And I said that on, on the podcast as well. But I don't think even when they set their team up three years ago, they would have imagined how quickly that success has come. Um, and even chatting with Ollie over there, uh, when he first signed with the OAC and with Dathan, he didn't know much about On at all as a brand. He, he was taking a punt um, with Dathan and the brand in terms of what they were prepared to do and what the vision for that program was. Um, and then it just came together really quickly um, for them. And that, that may not be what happens in Australia. We're, we're well aware that we've got different challenges here. But what we are and what we have done in the last 18 months is set up a foundation for long-term success with this team. And the recruitment um, of athletes is looking at both the developments. Obviously, Claudia's 18. She's quite young um, in terms of her experience in, in the sport of track and field. But I honestly feel that in the next two or three years, she will make senior teams. In fact, she already has last year made the world championship team for the Open 800. Um, but we're in no rush with her. So she's in year 12 this year. She will spend most of her time at school doing what she needs to do to finish that off. And then beyond that, 2024 and, and moving forward, we'll develop her slowly and maturely into the into the international athlete, into the superstar I think she will become. Um, we don't want to rush that. Um, but we're also looking at, at that college system as well in terms of what athletes are in there. We've got a, a huge pipeline of talent um, in the college system at the moment, uh, in middle distance in particular. We've, we're having lots of conversations. In fact, I had one just prior to jumping on this with you guys uh, with a young female over there who's exiting this year. Um, and we've got three boys that we're talking to at the moment that are all exiting in July, August this year, which we hope to come back to Melbourne to be part of this team. And again, it, for them, it's having it's understanding that now there is an option for them to come home. And up until this year, that hasn't been there unless they were you know, going to come home and take a punt that they could get this done on their own, which is very rare in Australia. Um, Australia has never been an option for them. So trying to cross that barrier and actually have that chat and, and get them to understand and believe that it can be done from here is, um, is part of this process. And, and we're under no illusions that that's going to take some time. And building this team is, is, um, is going to take a year or two to get it up to a, you know, a really good point where we can be competitive internationally, but we're well on the way. Is uh, OOC Oceana open to signing international athletes? Because one, I guess, advantage that the US group have is they've got all of those college athletes coming from all different countries and they're picking, I guess, the best college athletes who if you're winning, you know, NCAA championships, you're pretty much world, world class these days. So they're picking, you know, Spanish people, that the NCAA. Would you potentially look at bringing top US athletes down here to train to be part of your yes. squad? Yes, we would. Yeah. Ironically, the, the OAC US team was built on two Oceania athletes or yeah. three. So yeah. Holly Hoare, Beamish or Klecker obviously is US, but I had this joke with Dathan all the time, just give me my fucking athletes back. Yeah. And all be back. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, no, mate. So, um, look, yes, it, it's short. We, we will, uh, we're open to obviously looking at athletes from all over the world. The, the, Ocea the, the OAC ecosystem, if you want to call it that, um, is truly global. We've got the US team, there's a team in Europe now, and then we've got the team down here um, in Oceania. Um, and all three teams, albeit don't follow the same training model because we've all got different coaches um, in terms of who's guiding each of those respective teams. But we all speak, the three coaches, we speak monthly, we talk about programs. My guys are over in the US at the moment working with Dathan and, and Ollie and Sage and the crew over there, learning, upskilling, developing. Um, and experiencing that and then they're going to head over into Europe and up into St. Moritz and work with Thomas who's the coach of the European team over there and 
So, and then hopefully this summer we'll have some of the US-based athletes, um, more specifically some of the Australian guys, hopefully coming back to train in Melbourne and um, and be a part of our summer over here. So once it all gets up and going, it, it's going to be this really cool cycle of opportunity for athletes to travel internationally to the various different locations of the OAC and work in with what they need to do at particular times of the year to be competitive. Yeah, cool. Craig, when we had Ollie on the show, I made comment about like the culture that they seem to have developed and like obviously you get to start fresh, but you can still, I'm sure, talk to Dathan and, and work with him. But like you get this sense that they would all take a bullet for Dathan. Like they love, they, they seem to just adore and love him, trust in it. And obviously when they see the results, it, it helps. But when you start fresh, do you feel a bit of pressure? And I guess like, yeah, like how important is it to build that culture from from day one with your crew? It's, it's really important and there's no answer to how you do that. Like I, it's a question that gets asked all the time. How, how do you build culture? It's one of those things you've got to, you've got to feel out as you go. You've got to have morals and, um, and integrities that you, that you sort of stand by and, and live by and, and be strong enough to enforce them on the group and, and on yourself, more importantly, um, to, to create that sort of that leadership, I suppose, in regards to, to being the leader of this team. But Selection of athletes is really important also. We're not just going in to select the best athlete. The athletes have to fit the model of what we're looking for. They have to be um, able to um, be a part of a team. Like we've had several conversations with athletes in the early days that we didn't feel would fit the model um, that had potentially jumped from one college to another for various reasons and there were a few red flags along the way and would have been a lot easier to say, yeah, we'll take them to build this team. But ultimately you have to look longer term at what, what the dynamic of the team, what you want it to become and, and who those athletes are to make up that model. And one of the processes for me is to really engage with our athletes in the team and actually have them as, as leaders of this of this group. And the OAC Down Under team or Oceania team, the, the five athletes that we've got, the four athletes that we've got at the moment are uh, the foundation members of this team. They're the ones that are going to set the culture for this group moving forward. Um, and we've... Oh, whether we've got lucky or whether we did a really good job in in actually bringing these guys on is hard to know, but they are truly a family in terms of the way they get on, the support they have for each other. Um, you know, the when Tess and um, Claudia ran the Oceania Championships last year to earn points to try to qualify for the World Championships in um, in Oregon, Tess really needed to win the eight hundred. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in coaching, actually, was that Tess really needed to win the 800. Claudia really wanted to win the 800 but didn't need to win because Tess needed more points. Claudia already had enough points to get in. So how do you tell two highly competitive young females to go and race, but Tess, we really need you to win, but Claudia, so don't beat her um, sort of thing. And anyway, so we let them go out there and have that race, um, gave them both their instructions in terms of how I thought they should best run it, um, but giving them both the best chance to win and letting them compete. And um, ultimately, Tess ended up winning. And the happiest person on the track that moment was actually Claudia because she got to have one of her IEC teammates join her in the World Championship team, not because of any other reason that she was just proud that Tess was able to beat her fair and square in a head-to-head -head battle. And I think when you can build that dynamic and that group that if it's not your day but it's your teammate's day and you can be really, really happy for them, I think that's really important. Uh, that was something that was lacking in my time in sport was that was there was too much negativity towards other people's success 
Um, and that's just not what this is about for us. It's about building the team, building a group of people that support each other through the good and the, and the tough times, because I promise you in track and field, there's more tough times than there are good times. Um, and it's a lot easier if you've got people that are supporting you through it. Um, and, and that's a big part of building this team. Um, now that you're a coach, how would you describe your like coaching philosophy? It's a shit question. I, I people <laughs> no. ask me this all the time, and, and that, that is. Come on, Craigs. You well, explained right. what that question means. All right, Craigs. all right, all right. I'll I'll rephrase I it. So, I, I, right, so, so as a coach now, have you? So, and you had what three main coaches at yep. your time as an athlete? Have you taken like bits and pieces from each of those and meshed them together, or have you gone and basically done sort of restudied in a way and gone completely left of that? Is that a better question? Um, sort of. Uh, I, like <laughs> I think I answered this very early on in the other piece, but I, I would, as I said, very lucky to have the three different um, personalities, coaching styles, techniques, beliefs and values, I suppose, across all of my career. And, yes, you do take lessons and learnings from all of them. Uh, and you do, whether you know it or not, start to implement them into your own coaching um, beliefs and strategies around how you, how you look after your athletes. Uh, but ultimately, you've got to you've got to take your own experience and your own beliefs and your own knowledge and studies and research and start to put it into you know into a model that you're going to use going forward. And um, I think coaching these days is a bit different to what it was. There's so much information around what type of training you can do, um, altitude, periodization, all of that sort of stuff. There's almost an overload of information. But one of the biggest things for me is understanding the athlete that you're coaching. Like, you know, you, you've got to actually have a really good relationship with the athlete that you're coaching and you've got to understand what they need and why they need it uh, and understand their life uh, and what triggers them and what doesn't. The, this generation of athlete is very different to my my generation and and even the generation before my time they're not just going to do what you tell them they want to know why they want to understand why they want to know what the future looks like they want to discuss what training is going to be um, and so you've got to be prepared to have all those conversations and actually be a little bit ahead of where um, where their psychology or where their minds are at so it, it's the training itself is not rocket science in terms of what you've got to give them on a weekly basis or on a fortnightly basis, depending on how you structure that. But the delivery of the training and the environment you create is so important. And that's where you'll see it in America now and, and, and now in Oceania with the OAC team. This team model is becoming more and more um, prominent because of that environment and this, this need for athletes to be in a social setting um, and have that that sort of team supporter around them. The actual training, I can go onto the internet now and, and Google Dathan's training and just chuck that into training peaks and give it to the athletes and they can go and do it, but it doesn't mean they're going to run well. It's how you balance it all in and how you engage with your athletes and build that relationship with them and the trust that you have with them. That's the most important thing. So your original question, coaching philosophy, um, it's, it's different for different athletes. It has to be now. But the most important thing is the relationship that you have with your athletes and the communication that you have and building that trust between coach and athletes so that you can you can openly discuss the demands of what this sport is. So they're all in the same house, Craig? Is that what you said? Like they live together in that whole team kind of vibe? 
not not in Melbourne, no. So um, they've all got their own houses uh, in in Melbourne. Uh, we're actually we're looking at the moment in terms of what that looks like for athletes coming back from college and um, international athletes coming in as to where we'd house them because one of the big barriers for us in Melbourne is bloody expensive. Yeah. Cost of living here is really high, and in reality, the contracts that track and field athletes get it, it makes it really hard to actually have that contract and then expect to pay rent or buy a house or do whatever. So, one of the things we're looking at is what how we manage and overcome all of that. But at the moment, all of the athletes are living individually in their own houses in Melbourne. They're all staying together in Boulder um, at the moment. They're on a training camp, so they're all in together. Um, but interestingly, in the US, the, the US team all live independent as well. Uh, but they all come together and train in, in the one gymnasium and, and one headquarters where they go out and do their respective sessions from there. Yeah. I think I'm done, Croaks. We're peppered in with so many questions. You got any to finish off? Uh, I've got a couple more. Hopefully they're not shit questions. You've only got um, about five minutes. Tops. Yeah, all right. Uh, so does somebody oversee – so you've got the Oceania group, the US group, and the Europe group. Does somebody oversee all three? And have there been discussions about the optimal amount of athletes in a squad? Like where does it get – like how many is too many? Um, so first point to the question, yes. Steve DeCloca is the global head of the OAC. So he is in charge of all three teams. Um, he's based in Portland in America – um, he's got a long history in, in track and field and setting up these sort of teams. He's an absolute legend, 100% backing all of the programs to be, you know, world-leading programs over the next five to ten years. Um, number of athletes, interestingly, the US team um, has just brought on an assistant coach. So Dathan has just brought on an assistant coach to help assist him with the management of his team. I, I don't know exactly how many he's got, but he'd be 16 maybe um, athletes in his team at a guess. Um, in terms of our team, we would like to get up to eight in the next 12 months. Um, we're at five now. Um, and as I said, we're looking at three boys uh, over the next few months. So we'll get there quite comfortably either by the end of this year or halfway through next year, and then ultimately grow up to 12 in the next four years. Um, and then at that point, it becomes, you know, a conversation around, do you go again? And, and what does that look like? But I think the, the sweet spot at the moment is between eight and 12 for us in Australia, yeah. David's grown beyond that and has now got assistance to help him with that. Uh, and a, another coaching question. I know the US guys, like following their Strava and stuff like that, like they're a big fan of the fast long run, which yeah. probably wasn't as like as big when you were competing. Are you a fan of a fast, solid long run? Well, it depends how you look at it. Um, they do generally two proper workouts a week and in a strong long run, where in Australia we would do three workouts and an easy long run. So if you replace one of the workouts with a long run and make it a tempo, then it, it, it almost is the same thing. Um, they, they just So the, the, the trap that you fall into, and, and I've done this before and, and lots of people looking at what the US guys would be doing and how Dathan goes about it over there, they live in Boulder at 1,600 metres above sea level. They've already got that advantage over those people living you know, not at sea level in regards to their aerobic ability and all of that sort of stuff. So can they actually tolerate three hard workouts a week in a long run? Long term, probably not. Like, you know, when you're living at altitude and things, you've got to understand that the recovery that's required and the adaptation to all of that sort of stuff. And so they're operating on a slightly different schedule to, to everyone else, and it's clearly working for them. But if we tried in Melbourne to operate on that sort of model, we may not get the same benefits as they would be because they're at a mile high. 
Um, so I, I like what they do over there. Clearly it works. Um, but that's a generalisation. Someone like a Sage versus someone like um, an Ollie or a Yared, or, they all do different stuff. Like Dathan is phenomenal at managing um, his athletes individually in regards to what they need. In fact, I, I was it was unbelievable experience for me to go over there and actually see um, what he's doing on a daily basis to oversee. Like he'll have his male athletes start at one time, and his females at another, and the milers do this, and the younger and the shorter ones do that, and then he's got mm. um, Helen doing marathon stuff. So, like it, it's a full time gig once you're getting up to that size and that scale and that personal nature in terms of what's required. Um, for each of those athletes. Yeah. And last question, which I should have asked you this during your own running, how much running are you doing now? And if you had to go down and run an all-out 5K, what would you run right now? Uh, I don't do much running. I run two or, th- two or three times a week for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, if I was to run 5K, I'd be pleasantly surprised if I could run 20 minutes. I, I, Four-minute Ks would be working, I, I would think. I reckon you'd still smash that. Craig, thank you so much for your time. It's been a long interview. We know you're a busy man. Um, I know our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing some of those stories and and good luck in your role now, OAC Oceana. We really appreciate the support of On. They've sponsored a couple of episodes. Croaks is a big fan of the uh, the Cloud Monster, does all his case in that shoe. And, um, yeah, we can't wait to sit back and just watch what the athletes do under your guidance. It's a pleasure. And, And make sure you let Julian know I was disappointed he wasn't here. He still he still doesn't think you know his name. He reckons he ran all these relays with you at Geelong, and he doesn't know what he know looks like. You don't know who I know he, what he looks like. But I know that Julian is someone that works on this podcast, so I was hoping Correct. that he would be here so I could put a face to the name. <laughs> well, Brady was concerned that you didn't know him, even though that you ran for Geelong yeah. a couple of seasons together. Well, oh, Park one if, year, I, if I got up my Google, if I got up my Google search thing, it was Brady last night, so I knew who I was looking at. On. <laughs> You, you high-fived me. I had to chase down Jeff Risley, remember? Jell's Park Relays. Yeah. Didn't catch him either. Oh, oh well, yes. Well, You Jeff told me you would be good at the longer distances and I should be able to catch him, but that didn't happen. But thank you for your time. It's been fun to uh, – You didn't yeah, try hard enough. All right. Yeah. See no you, Craig. problem, gentlemen. See you later. See you, Craig. Thanks, thank you. Mate. Thanks for that. Enter the 2023 Gold Coast Marathon now and run your best race this July. 60% of runners achieve a PB at this event, and you can too. Head to goldcoastmarathon.com.au to enter now.